Now, come on, everybody. We haven't got much time. Focus your mind on something you're very sure of. Your family. Fish and chips. Hole to open. Hole to open. Yes, and what do you do? We dig a hole. You what? What don't they know? <laughs> this time, there's three of us. Trouble shared is a trouble doubled. I only hope the doctor knows how to put all this back. Here comes the drums! So here it comes, the sound of drums. Here come the drums, here come the drums. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Pull to Open, an ongoing quest to watch all of a television series you may have heard of called Doctor Who in entirely random order. My name is Chris Taylor. And I'm Pete Paschal, and normally this is the part where I say, hey, we're a couple of guys who are into Doctor Who and do a podcast, but actually, this time, we're not just a couple of guys. There's actually three of us, hey. and I'd like to welcome, to pull to open, uh, a gentleman from another podcast you might know. It's called Radio Free Scarrow, and Ooh. we have Christopher Burgess here. Hello. What's up, Chris? How are you? Uh, not much. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you for yeah. being the second Chris on Pull to Open. Uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> glad to make things uh, that much more confusing. Yeah, or, or easier. Just a... easier. I'm terrible with names, so this is perfect. Yeah. So I think I'm, I'm going to have to go like figure out some naming convention for you guys. So do we have like doctors? So it's like first Chris and second Chris, or is it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm. Oh. I'm the Chris from the north. The uh, I'm the the podcast have a north. That's true. <laughs> you, uh, you guys are from the far north, so there's that. That's true. Yeah. So, uh, listeners, longtime listeners might know I am from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, originally, and uh, Chris and I, Chris B, <laughs> mm -hmm. and I go way back in that we were both in the same Doctor Who club there way back in the 80s and early 90s. It was called the 10011. Z Ten zero eleven zero zero by zero. That's center. it. <laughs> I should know that by heart. Uh, well, and remind <laughs> us what that. I I feel like we've come across that number in mm -hmm. the, the galactic coordinates for for Gallifrey. That's or right. if you throw a, or if you throw a minus in front of the galactic coordinates in Eastbase for Elzarius. <laughs> wow, wow. wow. That's that's normal great. Space can't have negative coordinates, as we all know. <laughs> But uh, I've always, they've never talked about the zero two in the show, which I find funny. It's almost like I always felt like that zero two was trying to indicate that Gallifrey was weird and special. So even in binary coordinates, they needed a third thing. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't that's know. Zero, really... zero two in binary would really mess things up. <laughs> right? That's the, that's the point. It messes it up. It's out, of, it's out of sync with the universe somehow. That's just how special Gallifrey and binary is. Let's go to two. Anyway, we're super glad to reunite and uh, reminisce a bit, as well as uh, celebrate that Western Canada created so many Doctor Who fans through all of the broadcasts through PBS that we got through KSPS TV, mainly. That was the main one in Spokane. And then after a while, you, we, could, we got Detroit, right? Like, I, I yep. never watched that, but we got double, double your doses of Doctor Who for a while. Yep. Uh, and it just kept coming and coming. So there was like this unrelenting... Uh, you know, cornucopia really of Doctor mm. Who content when you were if you lived in Western Canada in the eighties and nineties. And, and Chris, did you also start with Peter Davison? Was he was he your first doctor, or were you were you earlier than that? 
That's an awesome question that I, I have no recollection <laughs> of. Um, no recollection. Oh my god! Wow. I was, I would have started watching in eighty, eighty three ish. Right. Okay. Uh, around eight years old, so I I'm, I just don't remember that far back as to where I began. <laughs> I if if I had to guess, I, I'd say it would have been Tom Baker, Peter Davis, ah, and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you could have could have been because um, I remember when I started. Bob Davison was my first, but he they were doing Davison episodes every day during the week, mm-hmm. so they were daily broadcasts. And then on the weekends, there was the the main feature, which was like a, they would edit together a whole story from four or six Baker, Tom Baker episodes. And so they had Tom yeah. Baker going on the weekends while Davison was going on during the week. So, yeah, yeah. that's, and that's, that's what made it really tough to, to try to remember where, where one began. KSPS mm. would do that. So not only would we get, not only would we get um, things on a basically non-ending loop, because uh, we'd, we'd just get the same stuff over and over like I'd, I'd hear tell from from UK friends how you know like, unless you had UK gold yeah. growing up you'd never get Doctor Who repeats never outside mm-hmm. of like Five Faces maybe yeah I've said that many, but, many times mm-hmm. on the podcast like Five Faces was like you know an oasis in the desert yeah uh, and and we had quite the opposite experience where we just get everything just repeated on a loop ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, during the week, we'd have single episodes on wow. the weekends, Saturday nights, 11 p.m. We'd get the omnibus version of whatever. And yeah. they weren't always the same doctor. You, and wow. it was just, it was. <laughs> it, it, was sounds... it was random, in fact, kind of like. It was as, as, good, <laughs> as good as. And as, as, a, as a burgeoning fan, I mean, try, try keeping track of. Try keeping mm-hmm. track of twenty years of of Doctor Who history. Yeah, when you don't know what's going on, <laughs> well, I found it. There's I found no it kind of like fascinating, or or kind of an interesting challenge as a fan because mm-hmm. you have this continuity you're following during the week, and then this separate continuity you're fe- yeah. you're following on the weekends, and you kind of like it's like multiple timelines almost. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I kind of found it like, oh, I can sort of sample from here and there, and that gave me, I think, probably a greater appreciation for the the larger universe. Yeah, the show was created. I I had to sort of like imagine old episodes based on the episode description in the twentieth anniversary book, uh, the sure. Peter Haney oh, book, yeah. and uh, yeah. <laughs> was okay. yeah, no, if, somewhere in the if, shelf. If you're, yeah. if you're one of the lucky kids, one of the lucky kids who had a celebration or key to time, and you could actually piece <laughs> the stuff together, yeah, you're you're laughing. Yeah, oh, I until, live by those until you, uh, Yeah, until you start. So until you start learning about missing episodes, yeah, yeah, and then wonder why you're not seeing the myth makers or or you're not seeing, you know, space pirates or whatever. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, not yet. We yeah. we do we have had some a lot of look on Paul to open in terms of the the animated episodes seem to be just ahead of our schedule, uh, our very <laughs> random schedule. Um, yes, yeah, so far we haven't gotten into. A full-on lost episode. Yeah, yeah well, someday. So, speaking of where we've been, uh, let's let's cut to the previously on pull to open, um, and it's it's been a way long journey than I can remember. Barely remember where it, it began. Uh, I lie. It was Planet of Fire, um, <laughs> and then like King's Demons, right? So, yeah, very. We've been very master heavy here on pull to open, uh, but Davison heavy and Davison heavy. Yeah, we we're, we're right back in it. But uh, spoiler. Uh, but four episodes ago, we were at uh, Tom Baker's Revenge of the Cybermen. Uh, that was fun. Um, 
three episodes ago, uh, the randomizer heard our prayers, brought us back to New Who with Rosa. Uh, and then after Rosa, Pete made a challenge to the randomizer, which was, I think he almost said literally take us to time flight. Um, <laughs> I, so I, I just want to say, point. Pete, Pete, are you are you proud of yourself? A little bit, a little bit. I think my my influence on the randomizer has only uh, time. So, Pete, you, you made our guest watch Time Flight. Are you are you are you happy? Are you proud of yourself? Uh, I'm incredibly I... proud of myself. I'll reveal why during the pod. Okay, okay. Sorry, spoiler alert. We've we've skipped ahead. Uh, but three episodes ago, we were at Rosa. Two episodes ago, we went to the Witchfinders because the randomizer decided it liked uh, Jodie Whittaker and the Fam 1.0. Um, and then last time we went to one of those missing slash animated episodes, Fury from the Deep, uh, in which we learned more than we ever wanted to learn about North Sea gas and weed. Um, <laughs> most, most weed references. Most in Who, weed yeah. references in a pull to open episode ever. Yet, uh, you know, who knows? Um, it gave us a bit of a buzz. That one, it really sure. did. Uh, but we went straight from Fury of the Deep to another sort of like hot topical. Here's the buzzing thing that everyone's talking about in the news with Concord, the setting for time flight. Yeah. <sighs> wow. And and time flight has already cropped up in pull to open history, hasn't it? I, I feel like you mentioned it, Pete, when we were talking mm -hmm. about the way that the TARDIS was often disassembled in the Peter Davison yeah. era. And this is like the yeah. most disassembly ever. Totally. Of the time. Well, apart from Frontios, which we've also done. Well, yeah. Then it was literally disassembled. That was, that was a very like rapid that. disassembly. Um, yeah. Unplanned. Um, but <laughs> yeah, just to recap a little bit. So at Rosa, I said, take us somewhere that has also has something to do with transportation, which was kind of my, and I think I did name check time flight at one you point did. because it's like, that was, that's the, probably the most obvious example. So it took it a couple of weeks, but it finally was, oh yeah, that actually, you know, good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so there was that. And yeah, the Davison era, it's funny. We've done a bunch of Davison. We've never done one though from season 19. So this mm. is Davison's first season, and uh, it's also, <laughs> strangely, one of the only hyphenated episodes of Doctor Who. It has sort of like that interesting aspect to it, because mm. so it's, it's not time, space, flight. It's time hyphen flight. Yes. Um, which I guess makes it a prefix, right? Time is now a prefix. Time, time is fleeting. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a weird title. Not quite as weird as the, uh, what was it going to be? Z Zanadam, Zanadum, Zanadum, mm. um, something like that. But, uh, something like that. yeah, time flight's definitely preferable to that. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. also interesting to be here and we'll, we'll get into current news because this episode features Tegan and the master, mm -hmm. uh, both of whom are about to come back. We are recording this uh, about what a week and a bit before the power of the doctor yeah yeah do you want to get into that now let's talk about it let's let's get into yeah, it yeah man power of the doctor it's like imminent so when people hear this it'll actually be really imminent because we're going to post mm. this podcast like the day before um but we just got so, the second trailer is it the yeah. second trailer I, uh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. the first one was like a teaser, yeah. I think, at the end end of Legend of the Sea Devils, which I guess counts as the trailer. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's the second trailer. 
Yeah, and Chris, there wasn't a lot of new stuff, right? It, it, not a lot. There was. Uh, uh, Chris can perhaps help us out here. You, you're probably watching news more more closely than we are. What 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 was your reaction to the trailer? Um, a relief that we finally had one, <laughs> <laughs> and then disappointment that it had nothing nothing really consequential but i mean mm. it's a trailer it's it's not there to tell you the story it's there to whet the appetite and, mm. and that's what it did well the, the, the big also... the big question is uh we we did see a shot in the trailer of the the pull to open sign on the tardis has been changed uh so the question is do we need to now permanently change the name of the podcast to ha 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 um <laughs> that's apparently what it now says yeah, a few, a few well, more we, perhaps. But yeah, <laughs> we would have had to call it Bad Wolf a, a number of That's years ago too. Good point. So. Good point. Yeah, yeah. Maybe when mm. we get there, we can we can change it for one special episode. And <laughs> when do you yeah, get one... when do you get to power of the doctor for the yeah. review episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or when we get to you know, like parting of the ways or whatever, we can we can change the the name to Bad Wolf. But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm excited. I just read the the, the all of the Doctor Who magazine stuff um seems pretty cool uh kind of another interesting reason for us to be a time flight that the master is gonna take on a lot of disguises uh mm, in in right. this in power of the doctor um looks definitely looks like he shaves somewhere mid-episode yeah. so where's that i hope we see that we just cut to a scene in the master in the bathroom <laughs> unlike time flight where he gets more facial <laughs> <laughs> From yes, from racist <laughs> mustache to classic Anthony Ainley beard. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll definitely get to that. Absolutely. But first of uh, all, well, we first of all, I think we should enter perhaps the pull to open feedback loop. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, guys. Uh, the feedback loop is happening, and uh, the first up in the first feedback loop, we have to, we have to, guys. We got to ask if you join the podcast. Would you please leave a review? Go ahead, go ahead, you know, fire up your Apple Podcast app, leave a very brief review. It doesn't take much. You could leave one emoji, mm. one character. It's completely fine. Those work, but uh, reviews obviously will help the visibility of the podcast. It will uh, improve our chances of being seen by other Doctor Who fans will of, will of course be looking for podcasts to talk about the cool episode they're going to see or about to see in The Power of the Doctor. So yeah. uh, leaving a review now would be really great. Um, leave and... us a review and, and leave uh, Radio Free Scar a review yeah. while, while you're there. I mean, why not? Uh, but Pete, there was a very good question someone raised on YouTube this week. Uh, I saw it, which is, what if I don't have an iPhone? What if I'm not in the Apple ecosystem? Okay, well, what you're going to have to do is, you know, fire up your TARDIS, go back in time to right when you were about to buy your phone, deck yourself, knock yourself out, <laughs> grab yourself's wallet, buy an iPhone instead of the Android, and then when you come to at that time, you'll have an iPhone, and then you'll be able to leave the review. Short of that, I'm sure you have a friend. Yeah, <laughs> who has an iPhone, borrow it for five minutes. Again, you only have to leave one character, one emoji. Uh, like the podcast, that'd be awesome. Five stars, you know, I'm not telling you what to write, but we do have a special yeah. place in our heart for those five-star reviews. Apple Podcasts, uh, definitely best, but they, there are other podcast services you might be listening on that, that definitely have a way to give us a thumbs up or a five-star review or anything. Just, yeah. Yeah, just, just throw us a bone. Wherever you're listening. Stitcher, Breaker, okay, I won't go over all the things, but well, there's something that lets you rate it, but um, 
yeah yeah it would be it would be great and and what you're listening to probably in the background as we as we discuss this right Pete, is uh some something that that an uh, incredible ball to open fan made for us yeah so speaking of fans and super fans doing things for the pod a great fan by the name of Martin West, a.k.a. Thinking Fish on Twitter. He was amazing and actually cut a whole bunch of music specific for this podcast. So he actually thought the, what we had in the background here for the feedback loop might not be quite Doctor Who-y enough. And now we have a definitely a more Doctor Who-y tune going on. I, I'm only imagining it right now because we're going to do it in the, uh, in the, in the cut. But I've, I've heard it. It's really great. And Martin, thanks so much for taking some time to give us a bit of an upgrade, if you will, for the uh, for the pod. Indeed, so. I'm definitely hoping those Doctor Who-ish notes are not copyrighted by the BBC. Um, mm. I, I do love, by the way, did you see uh, the, the RTD sort of uh, going off on, um, was it Ryan Gosling who was wearing the, the off-brand Shutigatwa t-shirt? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, we're going to sue him for copyright infringement. It's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't provide a real thing to have. Yeah, you yeah. Know? It's fine. It's like when Napster was the only game in town, you couldn't actually download music. It was kind of okay. Oh, it was it was a perfect RTG joke. I loved it. But uh, but yeah, uh, we we often say RTD call us on this podcast. So uh, yeah, call us if there are any mm. issues or you just want to join in. Cool. Next up in the pay feedback loop, our YouTube channel continues to grow. We're at youtube.com slash pull to open. We keep doing uh, more from season two. So we're keep updating the podcasts we had uploaded in the pre YouTube era. Mm -hmm. uh, they're still coming at you. We're up to the crotons. We might be by the crotons. I think the crotons, um, there might be another one after that at this point, but uh, that was a good one. Yeah. That was our first Proudin. Yeah, this is the era where I had long hair, so that that's interesting to, to mm. go back and watch <laughs> on YouTube. I'm I'm sort of frozen on some of them, which I, I guess we didn't have the video for that at that point. Um, mm. But that's yeah. just so you know, I'm not just exceptionally good at being still, <laughs> uh, not being hypnotized by the master. Uh, I yeah, it is just a screenshot. But but yeah, go listen, I, go watch. I think we should we should start the legend that when we don't have video, those are our missing episodes. Like <laughs> that's right. Video, it was it's wiped. in a closet somewhere. Time for some tele snap reconstruction. Yeah, big finish. You go ahead and animate me. Yeah, multiply multiply the Easter eggs behind me. I love that. Exactly. Just fill the room with Daleks behind us. I love that idea. Yeah, but believe it or not, we actually get some great comments on YouTube, and I wanted to highlight one of them as the comment of the week. It's from a gentleman named Nathan Smith, and this is on one of our Fury from the Deep videos. And Nathan says, Victoria definitely benefits from seeing her run in order. Mm. But if one were to speed run through her era, the evil of the Daleks and Tomb of the Cybermen are foundational to getting her. She's just a sweet girl who lost her father tragically and had to go with the doctor because the only other option was staying on Scarrow. And nobody wants that. She loves being with Jamie and the doctor, but she's not cut out for adventuring. Mm. Which incidentally is why I rejected the conception of season 6B that involves her coming back on board she just wouldn't and i really wanted to highlight this comment one because it supports my view of season 6b and it didn't happen and it's just a theory uh but i actually i what i what i wanted to also mention like i was a little hard on victoria in the podcast because again it, it's, it was like in fury from the deep she kind of seems a little panicky at the danger which again i i gave you know it's totally 
valid hmm. um, that she wasn't up for the constant danger that a, a TARDIS companion uh, is it so you sort of generally sign up for when you join up with the doctor um, so and I did mention I wanted to see more of a run so yeah I, I look forward to seeing these ones Evil the Daleks I've seen two of the Saturn reports the only other one I've seen with hmm. uh, Victoria but I look forward to sort of getting to know her a little better yeah. and not not feeling like she's just there to scream, which she seems like <laughs> that's her main role, at least in Fury from the Deep. I mean, that's literally her role because she yeah. defeats the weed. <laughs> defeats the weed. Yeah, I, uh, you know, uh, I, this is sort of kind of the negative side of uh, Paul to open and going in random order, right? You do hmm. sometimes, we're going to encounter it again today with Edric. Like we're kind of, you know, sort of not really getting the emotional arcs of the characters. That said, I don't think that anything that Nathan here mentions uh, kind of wipes out the fact that Victoria just like almost refuses to scream at some point, which is like supposed to be the right. whole resolution of Fury of the Deep. She's like, but it's just so silly. Um, yeah. Not her, not her finest mm, hour. Mm. But I didn't actually know that about the evil of Daleks not seen it. Didn't know that the only other option was staying on Scarrow. But it does make me think they could have added a line of dialogue to Fury of the Deep where she just says, I could have stayed on Scarrow. It would have been better than this. <laughs> Damn you, Doctor. Uh, flaming city in the background, and uh, the what? What was the swamp? The the silver swamp? I forget what it is. Anyway, Chris Bead, what do you think? What's how Victoria? What's what's your uh, what? Do, what are your thoughts on her run? Um, she's definitely a screamer. Yeah, <laughs> uh, perhaps the greatest. Perhaps the greatest. Mm. Well, I mean, the, the actually, only she, one who's... I would say she, no, she, she very probably is the yeah. greatest, yes. The only one whose screens um, are actually used as the resolution of a, of a story, right? Yeah, the, yeah, at least that comes to my mind, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, no, um, <laughs> Not a title anyone else is really vying for, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she, she's, she's very much enjoyable in, in Tomb, mm. Uh, mm. especially that little uh, couple yeah. scenes her between her and... Um, I'm gonna, I can't remember the character's name. The, the woman who's paying for the for the whole trip. Um, and oh, it's Captain. Captain. Yeah. Uh, and then of course the scene between her and, and the doctor. Um, yeah. Uh, that I, that everyone everyone hopefully knows about. Um, when she's talking about her family, or he's talking about his family. Yeah. Sort of how he pictures them. Yeah. It's a nice. And it's a nice soft scene between the two of them. It's 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 uh, that being her second story. Uh, it's a great way for for them to bond. And, uh, and yeah, but then you get to things, you get to things like Ice Warriors, and yeah, she's just she screams, hmm. or, or Fury <laughs> from the Deep, and she screams. Um, this is great. I, I, I feel like we're getting a foretaste of our future here because I'm sort of like uh, taking a deliberate policy of like not watching any episodes uh, that that the hmm. randomizer does not take us to. Uh, there's a lot of old who I haven't seen, so yeah, I, I like these sort of you know uh, meetings with other time travelers where we learn. What's what is in our future? There's only a few years separating her and, say, like, uh, Katarina, for example. Mm. Uh, but Katarina was uh, hired, and then they decided very, very quickly that this, uh, as a um, uh, you know somebody from from basically prehistory, right? She can't she can't be there as a companion. She's just not going to be useful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Given, given the Victorian era nature of Victoria, she would be less useless. But <laughs> right, she, right. It's still, they could, they could, 
they could have done better. And I say the same yeah. thing about Jamie. Uh, right. You know, because uh, yeah. he... Jamie's pretty effective as the muscle, though. He, he, yeah. Very much so. But as far as anything, as far as anything involving intellect is concerned, yeah. he gets better. But he starts off very, very rocky. I, I did think about that when they they have the chemistry lab scene in the TARDIS in uh, Fury from the Deep, and there's that moment of like, well, wait a minute, there must have been sort of like some kind of elementary bring Victoria up to speed in new <laughs> developments in chemistry, and kind of just explaining to Jamie what chemistry even is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jamie. Jamie would have a basic understanding through, like, say, gunpowder, perhaps. Yeah, but, I mean, very limited. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The, not not a lot of uh, education up there in the Highlands in the 18th century. No. Well, good thing they got they switched to Zoe quickly. The mm-hmm. doctor was probably feeling a little bit like, okay, <laughs> walk people through basic stuff a little too much here. Yeah, that's so often yeah. the history of who companions. It. It's like let's yeah. go to the exact opposite. Well, that's just think... it. They swung too far the other yeah, way, I think. Yeah. But hmm. I was just, if you think about it, all humans must sort of seem that way to the doctor to mm. some extent, like even people from the future and stuff. He's like, hey, I'm a time lord. I've got all the technology and time and space at my disposal. But I don't know. I guess for us, it's uh, it could be a little different. All righty. So moving on in the feedback loop, just a reminder, go ahead and follow us on TikTok, where we're very active, still uploading uh, videos every week. We're at poll 2 open all one word, and also on Twitter and Instagram at poll 2 open 63 Go ahead and drop us a line, drop us some uh, music. I mean, we've yeah. already got some new ones, but, you know, go ahead and give us some tips or, or some big finish tips, which we always like. And our TikToks uh, are pretty much all on, on YouTube as well, right? As, as kind of mini videos. Yeah. Um, so shorts, yeah, Mini videos. So you shorts, can still friend. see if you have any sort of ideal, ideological issue with TikTok, you just go go to YouTube. Just uh, catch up on all of the TikToks there. Yeah, and if you have an ideological problem with YouTube, <laughs> find us on. <laughs> yes, perhaps more likely, um, you can find us on Spotify Video Podcasts. So we're there too if you want to see what we look like without giving uh, the big G any of your data yes and if you have issues with spotify then i I don't know what to tell you go go watch (laughs) us on stitcher i don't think they've had any moral conundrums yet there's got to be some kind of decentralized (laughs) podcast platform we're not on and if there isn't let's start one okay all right all right guys i think we have to start talking about time flight at some point we we do and uh, you know what that means pete I do. I mean, unless, unless we want to subject our guests to the ravages of TLDW. Uh, I don't think we want to do that again. I, I, no. I'd like Chris to come back. So. <laughs> exactly. We want to be nice to our guests. We don't want to make them summarize uh, four episodes in the space of two minutes, which is basically what you've mm. got, Pete. This is TLDW. Too long didn't watch or too long Doctor Who, or in the case of Time Flight, too long don't watch. Um, <laughs> oh, hey, 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 no, 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 sorry, sorry, oh. revealing my bias a little too early there. Uh, sorry about that, Pete. I, I know uh, we're, we're going to say nice things about Time Flight, I just want to flag that ahead of time. We're all going to find <laughs> things that we like about the show, we like to be generally positive here on Pull to Open. So, uh, don't worry if Time Flight is your favorite story, we're not going to rag on it. Uh, too much um <laughs> well one of us might one of us might one of us might think it's criminally <laughs> underrated we'll just yeah. say that and then and then chris can stick step in and just be like guys guys just stop fighting good good and bad things right <laughs> can be the rep <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, the final vote 
But we do do this thing where we summarize uh, the story in 30 seconds per classic episode, one minute per New Who episode, which means that for the four episodes of Time Flight, Pete, you have two minutes. How do you feel about summarizing uh, uh, a story that is... I mean, I'm so, so glad that it's not me this week. That's all I can say. Like, I, <laughs> oh my God, like, I don't understand a lot of time flight. We'll get to that issue. But do you, how, do, how do you feel about summarizing? Uh, I feel okay. I've seen this one enough times. So as you know, I grew up with Davison. Mm. I was fortunate to have a VCR at the time. I recorded all his episodes. And this is one I've seen several times. So I I feel pretty good about it. The only danger might be I know too much. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, uh, stumble down a rabbit hole and just start saying way too much about what's going on. Yes, do, do remember uh, to include in the summary how the doctor got the wrong uh, era that they're in uh, or like he messes up his uh spend at least 30 seconds on that um you know at least 30 seconds on the other concord um yeah yeah you're right plenty of rabbit holes here so if you're ready sir your that's all ever be your your tabs are closed we fly blind on Mm -hmm. tldw and uh i will interject with a 30 second increments and your two minute summary our time flight starts in three two one Go. So the Doctor, Tegan, and Nissa are just done with uh, Earthshock, where Adric died. They're very mournful about that. Uh, but the Doctor wants to take them all to Hyde Park to sort of cheer them up because they can't go back and save him. He's very adamant about that. So they, when they try to get there, they get uh, the TARDIS gets zinged by something, but they materialize instead in modern day 1983 above a Heathrow airport. So they materialize. In the airport, there's a big security thing, but what's going on here? Oh, my goodness, a Cole Concord flight has just disappeared. And the doctor realizes there's been, uh, that's the same thing that screwed up the TARDIS. So he in- investigates and he's given full sanction to do that by unit. They check it, they get another Concord. They uh, end up going through the same time, Eddie. They think they're back at Heathrow, but they're not really. It's an illusion. And they realize they're actually in Jura- the Jurassic period. And there's this weird citadel and there's the remains of a spaceship. So they go and investigate. And they find there's this guy, Khalid, who is like basically trying to manipulate uh, things and, and penetrate this uh, this thing, the citadel. This, and they're not sure why, but he has this psychic power and he's using it to create things called plasmatons. And they... Uh, managed to defeat him pretty easily, but it turns out he's not Kelly. He's actually the master. He takes off the disguise and the master uh, gets access to the doctor's TARDIS, starts pulling equipment out, uh, abandons the TARDIS. Uh, they realize that it's actually this race, the Xerophon that he's after that has somehow ended up in Jurassic Earth. And they basically uh, work to uh, free the Xerophon uh, from the master's hole, but the master actually gets him like at the heart of his TARDIS. So his TARDIS is on like supercharged. But what happened was when he tried to take components from the doctor's TARDIS, they were switched around. Therefore he got the wrong components. So therefore he, they could actually make a bargain with him to get the right component and screw up his plans to go uh, to conquer the world uh, of the universe. And they, uh, get to the Heathrow just in time to knock the master through time and space, but they accidentally leave t- uh, or intentionally time! leave in there. Time! Oh my goodness! Yeah, you just got it. Wow, that's that's a photo finish there. Uh, congratulations, <sighs> you got right to yeah. Tegan. Ah, yes. I, I think I, the job. only I miss is they got one of the Concords back. <laughs> one one <laughs> of the Concords back. The other one is somewhere under Pangaea. Yeah, it's actually surprising to think there's. 
more there's enough story to go more than two minutes on a Sunday <laughs> <laughs> for time flight. I mean, you didn't even mention Professor Hater. Um, I didn't know. Yeah, he's, he's kind of blinking. You miss it almost. Yeah. <laughs> Although I will say he he he's memorable. He's so memorable. Yeah. And can can I can I just say Professor Hater? Like we're we're going to focus on stuff we like it. I I love Professor Hater. Yeah, I love him. You're a lover on hater. I, I I'm a lover hater and a hater. Hater lover. I'm I'm, hater not, lover. I'm not a hater hater. Like there are moments when you're a hater hater, but I I kind of love to hate hater. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I I like him. First, he's great. First of all, because he's uh, described as a professor at the University of Darlington, which is actually a very uh, poverty stricken town in the northeast of England, very near where I grew up. Um. And there is no University of Darlington. Uh, well, there is now. There's like a, a, a an addendum to a polytechnic that <laughs> was wow. where of Teesside University for the But is this one of those things where Doctor Who predicted the future? <laughs> yes, accidentally. If you, you know, like the decimal system and all that. If you want to say it that way, but the, there's one point at which the the doctor, like you know, says something like, "Is that you know, you only believe the evidence of your eyes? Is that the philosophy of Darlington men?" And I'm just like, <laughs> as if it's like Oxford men or Cambridge men. Or, uh, first of all, the men is still kind of weird, 1982. Um, but but also, yeah, it's bros. Yeah, yeah. The philosophy of Darlington men is like, let's go have a pint. Um, you know, that's it's generally as far as it goes. Uh, they don't really get into sort of eidetic um, or like. So much of the techno babble that the doctor talks about the professor, uh, but yeah, what I most love about Professor Hater, and uh, again, I, I feel like we need to add this to the TLDW as just a you know a footnote, um, the the fact that he dies and then he comes back, and he's just like screw you, story. I don't. <laughs> death is not the end for me, and it's not ever really like it's supposedly maybe it's an illusion that the master creates but it's not really kind of explained um and and uh, but then he's just and then he just you don't see him again like i, I yeah. so want big finish to do a professor hater spin-off now where he's just i don't know maybe he's found a tardis of his own maybe he's off with the Zeraphim. uh Zeraphim. he's like it's kind of like one of these things in you know like he's like he's obi-wan you know what i mean <laughs> like there's and you don't really know what the rules of it are you just know he can do some things mm. in the real world, but he can't be a full on, you know, person player, I guess, which is I, what's sort of the rules, I guess, of the Force Ghost back in yeah. the original trilogy. Obviously, that was all thrown out the window in the new trilogy. I like that he, so um, he gets a motivation right before he dies, uh, which is to, to yeah. know all the knowledge in the universe. Um, all yeah, of a sudden. He, fulfills, he fulfills his purpose, I think, which is mostly to take that bullet for Nyssa. Yes. And you, he, 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 the actor needs to make you care about him just enough that that means something. And I think he succeeds. So haters. Yeah. I'm with you. Haters. One of the better parts of, of the story. Yeah. Haters not going to hate. Yeah. What, what, do you, what do you think? I hate it, Chris. <laughs> well, haters fine. Um, <laughs> I do. I do enjoy his, uh, his brief relationship with the doctor, especially when they, when they go to the, the 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 other people from the other Concord, and um, they're trying to they're trying to fob off exp- explaining things yes. to people, and <laughs> the doctor's like, "Oh, talk to Hater." Hater's like, "Oh, the doctor's the expert on this on this right. subject." They're just you know just trying to pass the buck. You'd think that Hater would would like relish the opportunity to be you know Mister Mansplain, 
um, in, in that <laughs> moment. But but no, apparently kind not. Of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I <laughs> made note of a, uh, and it's 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 something to do with the the era. I I, real, I realize, but uh, I made note of a couple uh, reasonably misogynistic things mm-hmm. from the story, and mm-hmm. one of them is something it's not hard. Just, so, something you guys just touched on, and and you're right, Hater probably would have taken the opportunity to mansplain anything and everything he has a chance to do. Not only being the early '80s, but also being somebody of his age yes. in the early 80s because he would have been 60s or 70s whatever yeah i mean here here is um, doctor who daring to do something not at all different by taking the sort of the stereotype of the fusty english professor and just like <laughs> just running with it like he's just such a stereotype but but we love him but uh pete you mentioned that uh haters haters there to take the bullet uh so nissa doesn't have to when the xerophon mm-hmm. xerophon uh absorb him absorb, uh, absorb him as it were, but, um, he, he's <laughs> his line about, Oh, I'm a scientist. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I want to know all the secrets of the yeah. universe as it were. Um, but right. what's Nissa? Nissa's a scientist. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's also, he's also, you know, his speciality is like hypnosis and whatnot. So let's, let's take that a step further and assume, you know, psychology or parapsychology or something like that. Nissa's still more of a traditional scientist than he would mm. be so yeah, yeah. Mm, you know weird. his 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 role in that seems a little a little misogynistic in my books but, uh... <laughs> yeah. yeah and it is sort of it's definitely misogynistic that you know the doctor just sort of plucks him out like oh you're you're an old white guy you'll you'll be best able to resist the the images that we're going to be bombarded with like well that's that's i found that actually totally fine because he was like, yeah he, he, was. he proved he was he was the yeah. only guy yeah. in the original uh, crew and passengers who, who had resisted on his own. So, yeah, I, th- I thought that was good. I, th- I actually thought that was a good little twist because you would think the doctor would want his buddies, essentially the flight crew mm. from the second Concorde to go with him. But he basically says, no, I need, I need to make sure I have the person most resistant. So I thought that was a very kind of like, mm-hmm. I'm mm. going to be calculating about this and smart about it. It's sort of well, weird. Was... Uh, I mean, it's, it's definitely an example of like, the, the, there's so much kind of reversal and like throwing in new ideas that like, it makes Moffat look restrained. Um, <laughs> it's so ambitious. It's, it's an ambitious flight. story. This is the thing. And ultimately, like, this is sort of my, my thinking on time flight. I think it, it, it's surprisingly good in the first couple of episodes. Yeah. Like it, it, it starts off really strong yeah. mm. uh, and just never really quite finishes, uh, never comes close to that, uh, that awesome cliffhanger at the end of the second episode, which again, in hindsight, yes, Khalid <laughs> kind of makes no sense the whole disguise and it's been picked apart. And I think you can headcanon your own reason. It might work, even though there's really very little at all in the episode to help you. Uh, but man, when, when I, I, when I was watching this with my kids and there was that big unmasking at the end of episode two, they were totally into it. They wanted to see the next episode. Mm. They were like, Holy cow, this is cool. <laughs> this has suddenly got really good because the master's here. Cause they didn't know, obviously they were just like, Oh wow. Master. Cool. So that's a twist. So it's an interesting time to be discussing this because we know, uh, spoiler alert, if you don't want to know any power of the doctor details, uh, mute me for 15 seconds. Uh, but the doctor, the master is going to change uh, disguises in power of the doctor quite a lot, according to such to one. So uh, here he is with the one disguise that I got to say. So we, we've been to the Talons of Wen Chiang 
on on pull to open we discussed the sort of the kind of the famously racist aspects of that i found this worse in terms of the oh, yeah? it is a caricature of a a very mm. sort of a you know the the uh, you know the mystic oriental kind of figure right he's sort of he's got his incantations i think he says he's arabian at some point does yeah, sure. he talks he talks yeah. of, of going of going to Arabia, but not necessarily yeah. being yeah. Arabian. But he's got the Fu Manchu mustache; like it's very clear. And Anthony Ainley, bless bless his cotton socks. Supposedly, a, a very would love like being the master. Um, even if you like called him up on the phone, he would just like do the master voice, like answer the phone as the master. <laughs> like he loved doing. You know, he was independently wealthy; like he didn't need to be doing any of this. He just loved being the bad guy. And, he loved like putting on disguises and all that stuff. His glee is so clear here, and that's definitely a positive side. But it's sort of like my feeling was like you've you've invited a guy to a dinner party who says he's very good at impressions, and then he pulls out this impression of sort of this ancient Chinese mystic, and you're like, no, 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 not that, no, no. You're sort of frantically <laughs> you signaling to him, like, no. you wouldn't get that in '83. <laughs> Everyone would just be laughing right on, yeah. you know, with it. And yeah. yeah, I see what you're saying. Obviously, yeah, the, it's it's a problematic mask, shall we say? Mm. But man, nothing is worse than that yellow face in talent so I, I can't i can't i'm not with you that it's worse i i would say it's it's getting there well at least we have um, the sort of like uh, racism is explored in talents right you know he's kind right, of throwing it back at his audience you know yes I, I wonder what people would say if we actually had marco polo to watch mm. given, <laughs> given there are no asian actors in a story set in china mm-hmm. right right um I mean, even in other circumstances like Mind of Evil, Mind of Evil, for example, we have the Chinese soldier played by an Asian woman, right. Ping uh-huh. Ping Cho. Um, so we have some representation there. Yeah, Talons is obviously okay. the one that everyone points points at, but there's there's no shortage, I think. Of, yeah. Uh, steps what about uh, uh abominable snowman was 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 that uh, actually set yes up? actually yeah. that's that's a heck of a good example especially in the mm. wake of um in the wake of the blu-ray the home video mm. release because the the screening they had for that at the bfi recently uh so gary russell who directed the animation uh when they did the animation for it they changed quote-unquote changed the actors as mm-hmm. it were to mm-hmm. right. give them a more give them a more asian look because at the time all the actors were white right mm. so yellow face mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so they they tried to tried to change that in the animation you know 50 years later right yeah but a bit easier to get away with makeup like that when it's in black and white um Probably. But, yeah, yeah 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 well putting putting aside i know it's uh, <laughs> the hard to do but putting aside the, the the problematic nature of the mask i gotta say it is one of his better disguises in that i i really couldn't tell it was sort Ailey. of oh no uh, definitely and, no and mm-hmm. um the, the, there's the whole thing where he, he's fallen down and he's sort of writhing there on the ground and he has that like gross snot coming out of his <laughs> mask and it's just like oh wow they got they, they really went all out on this uh, sort of going go death of of Khalid. Did your um, did your kids question the the presence of the green goo? <laughs> they, they I think they just both went ew. Ew. What's up with that? 
just had some really bad cold, I guess. Some <laughs> and then just let it all out when he died. According according to the production notes, the mm. the Fu Manchu mustache there is 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 there to hide the joins in the oh. in the face in the face um, prosthetics. Makes sense. So I don't know what they could have done otherwise to hide that. Yeah. So good point. Good point. It might it might be there for necessity rather than anything racially motivated <laughs> so the mucus uh it's good you mentioned the mucus it's um supposedly that was the original grimwade's peter grimwade the writer's original idea for the plasmatons was to have them be very sort of gross mucusy creatures so ah. uh famously <laughs> like they got different costumes that were really bad and the uh extras inside the costumes <laughs> couldn't see out of them and then they're just sort of these weird gray bubbles they were not as bad as I, I thought they were going to be, given the reputation. Uh, but they were supposed to be all <laughs> mucus. Like, that was the original idea. They would just be mucus monsters. Well, so, my issue, like, one, you can see their legs. Um, yeah. Two, they kind of look nothing like the the special effect of the mist, bubbly mist stuff mm. that happens, which gave me a hard time like is it supposed to be the same thing I, I guess it is and in one case it's this and in the other case it's you know being surrounded by guys in gray bubble costumes um so you got you kind of in real time doing headcanon you know which is kind of a never really a great sign of like I, you know you didn't catch up it happens mm-hmm. happens all you know every now and then with doctor who but in this case it's just um pretty egregious and by the time at least they don't really have them much in the last two episodes. And this is sort of where I start putting together a little bit of my headcanon on like what Khalid was for and how that affected whether or not he could use the plasmatons, it seems. Cause it's like, you know, there's no reason for him to, to dress up. I mean, that's just, like, no. he just seems to be playing dress up for, for no reason at all. So you have to sort of make something up that, is there's there's got to be more to the disguise than just you know abusing himself, and I think it has to do with sort of the incantations he's saying to you know conjure up the plasmatons and that sort of focusing crystal that he has, and for some reason this Khalid persona is better able to do that, and that I haven't really figured out how that works, but I remember reading in the discontinuity guide that there's some speculation there might have been like a real Khalid that the master replaced at some mm. point. And, um, well, isn't that, that was literally true in the script, right? That, that Grim Wade was, was ordered to include the master by, by John Nathan. Thomas. Yes. Yeah. yeah mm. So fulfill yeah. that contract. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the master is also meant to be killed off in the story. Yeah. Top of that. But, um, I couldn't I, pull the I, trigger. The, the whole master Khalid thing, I'm sure, you know, uh, better people than us have discussed this to death, but I can understand if the master had to dress up as Khalid when the doctor was involved in the story, like when they were there in 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 the uh, in the Citadel together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for the master to hide his presence. But before, why? Like I just don't <laughs> right. get the I don't get the point to him having to do it before. Yes. So yeah, maybe there was something extenuating, like there was a real Khalid. I don't it's know. Method acting, Luffy. Method acting. Um, yeah, he's just yeah. I gotta think. Maybe he really stole that, that crystal. Role. <laughs> I think he might have stole the crystal, maybe from Khalid, mm. and then it so only like... responds to Khalid. And so maybe that's also why the disguise is has all the snot and everything, right? It's like they 
there, there's some sort of genetic component that's it's scanning for, you know, it's kind of like, remember the, what was it? The Dalek, uh, what's it called? A progenitor device mm. that scans for Dalek DNA. So this thing was scanning for Kali DNA. Mm. And so he had to sort of play or, the part for this machine. Or even something more, more basic like facial recognition. <laughs> or that, yeah. But then, but then it's like, what is, well, I guess the incantations are part of the whole thing. Um, he's just, he's just acting so weird and he's saying these things. It's like, wait, why was he doing that? Saying uh, well, the thing isn't also affecting the, the odd accent to go with him as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is sort of weird because when, when he unmasks himself, it, uh, he's, the, the doctor says something like, I don't get it. And, you know, the mask says, You never do, doctor. Or I don't understand. You never do, doctor. And the audience is like, Well, we don't understand either. What the hell? <laughs> 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 but the, but we're confident it will be explained in episode three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> no. in this case, episode five, I guess. Speaking... But it is funny because because they're wrapping it up, and you're thinking like, is this two? Is this a two episoder? Mm. <laughs> As that's happening, then they're defeating them, and then it's like, oh no, they plot twist, and so it's it sort of really gets going, and it's just sort of two bad episodes three and four, um, just never come anywhere near matching that level of of. Uh, excitement speaking of cliffhangers the end of episode three uh i don't think i've seen a cheesier like zoom in cliffhanger in in anywhere in doctor who where it's like it means the master's finally defeated me mm, um, just you wait till yeah. we do resurrection of the dollar <laughs> <laughs> but it's like would, would the doctor like they immediately have to talk him out of it like what what are you having a de- an attack of depression doctor what the hell like, like why would you well, just say that well, yeah, overstatement of the year as well. <laughs> and also, it's like, has he like? It's it's a bunch of techno babble. Well, what does that mean, Doctor? It means the Doctor, the the Master's finally defeated me. Well, like, there are so many. I don't know. Mm. We, we can get into the techno babble of it, but like, there's the induction. Oh, there's so much, so much. There's the induction loop thing yeah. that's coming out of the Master's TARDIS and going in two directions, and that's what's creating his path. Well. Like you've got these people who are tearing apart a giant sarcophagus. Maybe they could just like cut this wire. That's... <laughs> I don't know. Cut it back a bit. Yeah, yeah. pair of bolt cutters. Uh, yeah, you know the doctor's lost his sonic at this point, and uh, maybe he's like, oh, I've, I've forgotten how to use scissors as well. Well, they could have just used one of those like slates from the side of the room yeah. to, to smash it a couple times. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's so much techno babbles like induction loop. There's mm-hmm. another line where he's like, he must have exhausted his own dynamorphic generator. And there's just mm-hmm. thing after thing after thing. I gotta say, this might be a taste thing, but I like this stuff. I mean, I live for this stuff. <laughs> Especially the Davison era. Like it's nonstop. It's it just was one of these things he would do in every episode, whether it's a warp ellipse or or some other thing. Um mm-hmm. and it he, he the thing is it's like it's more about his delivery, right? Like I think Davison is just, he's actually really good in this episode. Mm. And I think what he's at his best, when he's sort of blathering out this techno babble, like it's super important. Like he really sells it. Mm. Um, and so like, I was right there with it for most of the time. And I sp- certainly got, even though the induction loop kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. And by the way, if it's a loop around this room within a room, how the hell did Tegan and Nissa go through a door Mm-hmm. that goes into that room right like that was kind of like an era of like set design i think that they just didn't really think about 
It's, um, it's also kind of a but, missed opportunity because speaking of Tegan and Nyssa and the Master, like they both have beefs with the Master. Yeah. And there's such an opportunity for a scene of like, you know, you kill you killed my dad, you're still you still stolen his face, you bastard. Mm-hmm. Um and also you killed my Auntie Vanessa. Um <laughs> like but nothing. No opportunity for that. It's like a lot and of even even a step beyond that with the with Auntie Vanessa being a victim of the tissue compression eliminator. Mm. And yeah. then you have the Xerophon with the same fate. There could have been something there for Tegan to to work off. Right. Yeah, and that's such it's another one of those it's Chekhov's gun type moments where they talk about the tissue compression eliminator. And I like that bit where mm. it's like they pull up the dolls and it's this slow realization that wait a minute, this isn't religious figurines. These Votive, were actual yeah. dudes. And that's nice, but you, you kind of want to see it then work you know you want to see him kill someone with it especially when he's holding the thing for half half his time on screen as well yeah yeah, yeah and it's kind of it's yeah. weird as as a uh compressed figurine i don't think we've ever seen one that looks like it's just an unpainted uh <laughs> right uh, character like it's so the myth of time and perhaps we can we can separate myth from real like the what people say about time flight is it like it, it ran out of budget or the season mm. ran out of budget or but and and I can see how well does does TV production really work that way? I don't know, but it does definitely feel like at that point the show has just flat out run out of budget. We cannot even afford to paint this figurine. We cannot afford to show you what's in the sarcophagus. You know, we yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we're we gonna... can't afford one stinking dinosaur in the background, <laughs> like one tail of a brontosaurus, mm-hmm. just. You know, in the jungle or whatever, it, it, it makes no sense. And you wanted—I think you wanted to talk about this at the outset, Chris, where the doctor says it's the Jurassic period, but then he says mm. the Pleistocene's about to happen. Yeah, yeah, the, the nip weird. in the air, so the Pleistocene. Yeah, first you doesn't yeah. quite get how climate works, but um, yeah. yeah, it's a bit weird. Uh, Chris, do you know anything about the sort of the the the, uh, the run out of budget aspect of this? I know Peter Davison has said it a few times. Uh, not a heck of a lot, no. Mm. Um, all I really know about season 19 is at the other end of it where they shot it dramatically out of order. Uh, like right. Astralva was the fourth, fourth thing shot, um, mm. ostensibly because Davison wanted to do the other stuff first to, to find the character. Yeah. But uh, yeah. in reality, it's because the scripts weren't actually ready. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, the, the back end of it, not so much. So I'm assuming that this was shot last. So that would make sense if they ran out of money. Right. And, uh, I'm sure Earthshock cost them a small fortune with, you know, Cybermen and all the, the, the whiz, all the shooting and explosions and whatnot. And is, is it not a little bit weird that, that we just had Earthshock, we just had a spaceship crash into prehistoric Earth, and now here we are at another spaceship crashed into prehistoric Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, older, pre, older prehistoric older. Earth. <laughs> but like not even one mention of Adric or like... Uh, well, there was they, they, he was there, like Matthew Waterhouse was. He was, The illusion yes. version of Adric is there guarding the uh, Zeraphin chamber. Supposedly because his, like, they didn't, they wanted his name in the Radio Times for yeah. right. for those of us obsessives, and I was definitely one of those who would also read the Radio Times in advance. Contractual obligations yes. as well, but, but yeah, they wanted his name in the Radio Times so that people <laughs> wouldn't figure that he was killed off. 
the story before. Yeah, yeah, which does preserve the surprise. But yeah, you'd think you'd think there would be more about him. This is something people say about Time Flight a lot that it's like they they get over Adric awfully quickly. Um, yeah. I gotta say, as I a regular pull to a pull to open listeners know, I recently lost my dad. Uh, like I, I get it. I get the sort of the, the grieving thing of like, no, you want to go off and do something happy instead. Let's go check the cricket scores um, in <laughs> in Heathrow. Right. Like, I love that the doctor just runs out for a paper and it's like tut- yeah. tutting over the state of English cricket. Yeah, I think he. The, I like those moments. So there's mm. a lot of good actual humor in um, in Time Flight. I think that sort of bridging scene they have at the beginning. I'm I'm curious what you both think on whether that was good to do. And I think, cause I can see the dilemma. You, it was such a moment at the end of earth shock. I think you kind of need to deal with the aftermath mm. in whatever happens next for fans, but you could, but the, what the problem is, is as you've seen, it's as we've just said, it's, it's like you suddenly you're doing this adventure and then uh, the toad is completely off. Um, the other thing they could have done is like, you know, three months later, or whatever yeah. you know it's like mm-hmm. they couldn't even say that explicitly in dialogue you know it's been a few months since adric doctor blah 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 uh instead they're actually literally going over a list of stuff to do after yeah. to, to wrap up all the stuff we saw on Earthshock. yeah so one of which is cyber fleet dispersed uh which <laughs> not is destroyed not destroyed just dispersed, dispersed. with no explanation uh yeah. how do you disperse a cyber fleet i don't know well i i presume the conference there to ally themselves against the cybermen worked mm. and they just they just did it but you think that would take a little time and take a little time after returning the freighter crew to their own time which was uh another thing on their list yep check 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 and and conveniently having the tardis work to get from time point a to time point b to mm. know or do that right yeah. you know for an episode set largely in heathrow um it, it's kind of weird that they don't bring up the, the, the whole sort of season arc with Tegan trying to get back to Heathrow a bit more. Hmm. Like it's that, sort yeah. of, you sort of just have to head cannon it yourself, right? And and then there's the one scene at the end where she sees a plane take off and this is like, you miss it, don't you? And you're like, oh, really? <laughs> really, Sherlock? You, th- you think? <laughs> like that's her entire character is that she missed yeah, it. Yeah, I think... I think there was a, there was some there. I would have liked to see a little more um, depth to it, certainly. Mm. But there, I did like that they finally get her back to Heathrow, and it's in midair, mm, yeah. and she's the one begging them to not to, to, to go, right? Because like yeah. we, we could be in serious trouble here. Um, and then she's kind of like who Tegan, who's usually like the fish out of water in all our episodes because she's the earthling who's, you know, naive and doesn't know anything. She's completely in her element here. Like she knows the airport. Um, she, she knows these pilot types and she, she just, and she actually gets to be a stewardess at the end, which was great. I really actually like that bit where Stabley's like, what, you're a stewardess. Like, Get the passengers on board. She's like, oh, <laughs> almost a cursor. Yeah, I can do that. Which does beg the question of where is the stewardess who we've already met? Like, why is right. she doing that job? Uh, I've seen some suggestion that the master actually kept her aboard his TARDIS. Uh, it's like serve him in flight snacks. Uh, something like that, but <laughs> yeah, she, she was also yeah. not the only stewardess on, uh, amongst the amongst yeah. all the people. Yeah, that's yeah. True. I guess you could head candidate that like now they have 
uh, they, they're just were she was on the rear the rear door. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I love, but this is definitely one of those run out of money things. Like that, they they have no uh, indication of how they're getting the people on board the Concorde. Right. It just like, whether it's a rope ladder. Yeah. Or <laughs> She's just sort of like directing them this way. Like, yes, go go off screen, go away from these Concorde wheels. Or as, as importantly as anything else, she's never actually done the job. <laughs> That's the other thing. Like we don't yeah. even we we're sort of led to assume that it's a year after she was supposed to get to Heathrow. Yeah, she, she's going through like the training, obviously, so she's not going to be completely green. But she's also going to be out of practice at best. And, yeah. and don't we find out that she got fired because she was yes. late later on? Yeah, when she does yep. in in arc, in arc of Infinity, yeah, got yeah. the sack, but. Um, since we're talking about it, why don't we talk about that leaving scene? I guess it's like mm. her first leaving scene, uh, obviously was never intended to be, well, I don't know if it was obviously, but I guess it was never intended to be permanent. I feel, felt the scene was just sad and kind of a weird choice. Cause you thought, think about, wait a minute, is the doctor just consciously abandoning her? Like yep. he doesn't even want to say goodbye. And it feels like this weird choice that like, it's, it's Nissa who gets the hint from Tegan that she might want to stay. The doctor never sees that. And he just kind of like goes in the TARDIS. And if there's any thought here at all, uh, here's it just seems like, oh, we've been trying for weeks at least to get you back to Heathrow. We finally back at Heathrow, like pretty close to your time zone. This is where you wanted to go, right? Okay, we're done. See ya. <laughs> I mean, I kind of like the idea of the doctors just sort of being you know, uh, uh, having space ADHD. Like, he, mm -hmm. he gets back to Heathrow. He's like, there was an important reason we were going to Heathrow. What was it? Oh, newspapers. Um, <laughs> gotta, gotta go check the cricket scores. Uh, it's a bit weird. Yeah, uh, has the Doctor ever abandoned a companion like that? Uh, well, in, to your point, I the think show? there would have been a good, a good a moment there to, to acknowledge that in the first episode, right? Like, that mm -hmm. the history... It wouldn't even have to take long. Tegan, we finally got you home. Like mm. if you said that, and it could have been taken as like a joke or not. But then in the last scene, they sort of like, oh, sort of follow through with it. That would have made this scene work much better, I think. Mm. Um, and, uh, but I don't know. Yeah. I just found, yeah, I just think it's like, what a dick. <laughs> basically, <laughs> basically. <laughs> basically he's covering up his adric grief by by complaining about the state of english cricket he's you know yeah. not even paying attention to tegan runs off without it i mean that's that's companion abandonment hmm. so weird so weird by the way is is there ever any in show reason for why five is so into cricket Ooh, that's a good question I don't know. I, I mean, think it's just, a, he is because he is. He I, don't just a, is. I don't think there's a backstory there as such. Yeah. Cause he's, so he wants to go, he thinks he's going to the great exhibition of 1851 and he's got like all these names of English cricketers that he wants to meet. And, and then he, it was apparently a Davison ad lib where he says at the end that the master was knocked for six into the pavilion, right? Something like that. <laughs> I think the original, line and scripted was a croquet reference um which yeah. uh which uh, so it wasn't a cricket reference because this was originally a f potential fourth dot doctor script right it was yeah it could have been um the uh, the fourth doctor swan song it could have been legopolis hmm. mm -hmm. 
And that yeah, was, I think yeah. so. On the in-show explanation for his cricket loving, I all I remember in Castor Valve is at some point he sees like a bat. I think mm. in the TARDIS. And correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, uh, but I think there's a point where it, it, it's like he's freshly regenerated and it seems like this bat leaves a big impression on him. And he starts talking about like almost seeing the the the, comp, the cricket match he's played if, if he were to be using it. So maybe it's in sort of that post-regeneration mode that he gets it, but I think he's actually already got the jumper and stuff on at that point. So mm. it's a little, uh, like I got the outfit that he took to, uh, it's kind of like fish, fix, fish, fish sticks and custard. I think <laughs> for the fifth doctor, it's like, boom. I mean, RTD has talked about this notion that the doctor imprints on like the first thing he sees. So yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, seeing the bat in Castro Valver is what does it. And suddenly he's all about cricket. Um, I mean, obviously, the, the behind-the-scenes reason is JNT suggested they were having a lot of back-and-forth uh, mm. about the costume. Actually, we just learned more about this in an unpublished oh, yeah. interview with the, the costume designer. Um, and JNT was like, cricket umpire, let's make him look like that. And it wasn't quite that, but like that was the starting point. Well, I'm glad they went with that instead of the, I guess, the original design, which was in that same Doctor Who magazine article, yeah. where I guess he was going to wear like uh camouflage pants yes and it would have been a little bit more <laughs> with young basketball shoes adventure. yeah yeah camo pants and basketball shoes can you imagine peter davison in <laughs> in that and like oh my god talk yeah, about well, for all we knock might knock <laughs> jnt about some of his decisions i mm. think that was the right call to go like no nah, man we're not making doogie hauser here like <laughs> let's uh let's let's go for something else and like Cricketer, I think it's fine. I think like Davison's ad lib, I did realize that was an ad lib. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, but I like, like, I knew nothing about cricket growing up, you know, like, mm -hmm. but I, I got it. I got that he was into this thing and I liked him being into this thing. I, I think it gave the character a little more uh, texture in whatever he was sort of doing. So. Yeah, um, I was sort of yeah. surprised to discover that the reason wasn't JNT saying we're going to sell this to Australia, we're going to sell it to New Zealand, we're going to sell it to the West Indies, we're going to sell it to India, Pakistan. Like he's had some grand ambition for like mm. how he was going to promote it via cricket, which would be a very, very JNT thing to do. Speaking of very JNT things, we should definitely give him props for getting, getting Concord. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. this so that, is that, that was kind of cool. The first TV show, I believe, to use Concord as a setting. And he did it apparently by using a bluff, which was telling British Airways that Air France were on board and he was going to do it with them if they didn't, oh, wow. if they didn't give him a Concord. JNT, uh, right? Oh, man, he likes to bluff that guy. He does, and yeah. also, like, I read somewhere that Grim Wade was like on board with including Concord because he thought he might get a flight on it. <laughs> well, that sounds like a JNT reason, yeah. honestly. Just like, oh, let's see if we can do this, and uh, maybe we could get a we could get a ride to New York or something. What do we think? Can, uh, can, can we talk about the 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 TARDIS in the cargo hold of Concord because it's on its side? Which, first of all, surely you could materialize the, you know, like the cargo hold got to be large enough that you could materialize it the right way up. Is no? it though? Is it's it? A plane. I, don't know. I don't know. Concord fans, write in. 
Um, <laughs> let us know if you could fit a TARDIS right way up in a Concord. But also, like, it's the it necessitates a lot of this sort of climbing out, like, yeah. and then being you're being on the floor of the TARDIS, but they don't do it consistently, and um, like that's that's sort of a weird thing. I mean, it happens again in a few episodes, right? Uh, the eleventh hour's got some of this. Uh, uh, when when else does it happen? When else is the the TARDIS, the TARDIS on its side? Well, they reference it, yeah. Castro Valva, Castro Valva, yeah. Um, right. But I I I like that bit because I really like the humor, and I think mm, that some yeah. of the humor in this works really well. Where he goes like, "This is this is bigger, this is smaller on the inside." <laughs> <laughs> like that was that was a pretty funny bit line, and just the whole bit where he where he right straightens it out. He's just kind of like, "Oh, so useful when you want to maintain a dignified uh, presence or something." Um, I don't know. I, th- I thought I thought it worked, but the the Concord stuff itself, uh, I think it works well when they're at Heathrow, mm. and then you know when they're in the Jurassic period, it's just really stretching the imagination. I guess you have to believe they're on this Mesa or something where you could mm-hmm. actually have a runway. Um, but then, of course, you just never get to see anything other than that one wheel. <laughs> just like kind of <laughs> well, you, there. You do see the model from a distance, right? Yes. Uh, and is that by so there's a point where and and I cannot understand the script reason for this, but the master's TARDIS turns into Concord. Yeah. Materialized yeah. around the other Concord. I mean, is that just a Legopolis reference or what's going what, on? I don't know what's going on there. Why did he want a plane in his TARDIS? Yeah. Yeah. Chris B, you have any theories? None. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it yeah. is it also the know. largest thing that a TARDIS has ever been? Um, good question. Um, yeah. not counting books. Yeah, because the uh, monster seems to favor the the small design of TARDIS, where mm-hmm. the door is hidden around the back, and you don't know how he actually gets into a grandfather clock. Well, given, or... given they were trying to salvage parts from one Concord mm. to get the other up and running, maybe the master materialized around it just to prevent them from doing so. Or, or then he loses bits of his toughness mm. again. Uh, <laughs> it could have been an even more comic moment of like, no, you're taking the wheels off my. T- you're letting the air out of the tires on my TARDIS. <laughs> also, I'm, I'm assuming there's some sort of like protective barrier, shield, mm. something to stop that kind of. Yes. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> one one would assume certainly doesn't have a perception filter around it. You got to say there is this weird parallel thing between parts of airplanes they're cannibalizing and then parts of TARDISes that they're cannibalizing and exchanging in episode four. It doesn't quite add up to a theme or anything, but it is like, it is this weird kind of moment in the script where there's a lot of parts that are discussed and a lot of repairs. Um, and it leads to this sort of what is a seemingly the climax, the showdown <laughs> between not just the doctor and the master, but the temporal limiter and the quantum accelerator. Yes. And so it's like, okay. which would you rather have? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the quantum accelerator. Oh no, wait, the temporal limiter is the one that has that red bit. So it's, you know, it kind of temp- looks a little more interesting. Temporal limiter is also the one that was sabotaged. Right, right. Is that the one that makes it so that the master arrives in Heathrow after? After, after. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Master falls for it, man. Like the thing is, you'd think after the he he got the wrong components out of the console, he'd be a little more careful after that. 
I yeah, I'm so confused, and I think part of the reason is that they they did introduce the Concord crew sabotaging the TARDIS scene mm. as padding because the episode was too short. Um, so because it, it just totally doesn't make sense because the the Doctor at one point is looking in Khalid's um, you know crystal ball area for bits of his TARDIS, but he doesn't yet know that his own TARDIS has been sabotaged at that point. So it's just like stuff is just not making sense. I've often said on the show, like best way to, to treat Doctor Who is imagine it as a fever dream. And uh, a, a lot of this certainly qualifies. Yeah, you can, you can headcanon some of that. Um, the, this episode definitely requires excessive headcanon to mm. make it make any kind of sense. But you could say some of the component, like certainly the TARDIS is telepathic, right? And the, the third Doctor has even mentioned the telepathic circuit. So... Mm. I think what what that is is that uh, the master has put those components into that crystal thing so that he can get the Khalid plasmaton focusing thing to work. So yeah. I kind of I actually really like the foreshadowing of that console making TARDIS noises because mm. there's there's little bits where it just there's there's two moments where it makes that sort of. TARDIS alert noise that we've heard in the, and if you're uh, if you're a fan your ears perk up and you're you kind of like oh what's with that and it's it's kind of like what I was saying I think in a previous week I think it might have been when we were doing Fury from the Deep like when they had they had that Motorola Crazer in Lost and you notice it but you're like oh maybe it's just a mistake maybe mm-hmm. they're just you know didn't put the right phone in or they just went to in this case the catalog of special effects noises and just oh, you know, use that thing. And it wasn't <laughs> deliberate, but clearly it was, you know, to sort of really kind of foreshadow that reveal. Very smart. Yeah. 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 I, I, I do. I hadn't noticed that. So good, good spot. Um, but yeah, uh, I think it's sort of, instead of a temporal limiter, we needed a, a verbal limiter on the, uh, <laughs> the, the techno babble here. I mean, my goodness, has anything ever as, has the techno babble ever been worse than this in terms of like Grimwade? Like he, he clearly wants to sound smart, but mm-hmm. as we see in the sort of the mixing up of the ancient Earth eras, like it's not actually teaching us anything yeah. here. <laughs> it just sounds like maybe it should be. Uh, there's a lot of obf- obfuscation going on. Uh, did that? Did that stop you guys at all? No. No. <laughs> no, I mean, well, it's, a, it's a sci-fi show I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna expect techno babble I mean normally yeah me too like it, it but it just sort of usually fades to background noise you know but but this was like so front and center like it seemed like they were talking about a different TARDIS component every five minutes True. yeah and this is definitely a thing like I've, I've said before the Davison era mm. and I I kind of like like I I gotta say I do I, I do like the techno babble and I do like the opportunity here for the master to get outsmarted by the doctor using this stuff. Um, but ultimately, like, it, I think, reduces the TARDIS in a way, and this has always been the thing I've criticized, to this just this thing you can pull one thing out of and then suddenly it doesn't work, which honestly makes some sense. I mean, you think time travel would be complicated mm-hmm. enough mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. everything's got to be working properly. And if you screw it up even a little bit, like, that's probably a bad idea uh yes that's one of our commenters once said but it it just 
uh, story-wise, it's it, it just provides too easy uh, an out for any episode, right? Because mm. then you just sort of think, well, why wouldn't they just wreck this one thing at this one time like they did this other time? And then it, and it sort of reduces the TARDIS role to sort of this beer device. Well, mm. I, and I do prefer sort of the view of the TARDIS where it's more alive, where mm. it is more like it has its own personality. It's not a full-on character unless you're talking about the the doctor's wife but it is a uh there, there's there's it has more of an intent within uh the show's context i, I definitely prefer that view so speak, speaking of the tardis i mean i i do you know I, i'm trying to find things i loved about this uh i did like the moment where the, the concord crew come in and they're, they're trying to fly the thing and there the, are the two bits I, I love first of all they're, they're trying to look for the door closing thing and it is i i am correct in thinking it is actually that big red lever right mm-hmm. that yeah, they yeah. they're like oh no can't be that it's it's big and red <laughs> like don't don't touch uh, that i would have thought it was something else was the line yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that must be auto destruct um <laughs> well, you know, it also hits this is not going to go well for these guys yeah but i also <laughs> love that the captain uh takes off his jacket like that's what, mm. when he, I'm like getting down to business, take off jackets, providing a reason, I think for the first time for the hat stand, the, you know, the coat stand to, to be there. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I mean, Tom, yeah. Tom Baker uses it all the time for, for his coat and scarf and hat. That so. is, that is true. And there, there is that, there's the scarf reference, which by the way, mm-hmm. another Peter Davison ad lib, uh, when he, he's cold and they're in the, you know, edge of the place scene he's like times like this i wish i had my scarf uh not in the original script so good for him for you know throwing in some continuity there yeah man continuity is all over this episode yeah like they're, they're referencing obviously earth shock like castro valva um you know tegan's whole arc um again this is a whole thing with the davison era you definitely get the sense that the stories are closer together like the the density of sort of experience here in this area is sort there's, of there's a serial uh, more of a serialized nature to the, his first season than, mm. than often happens yeah and don't yeah. forget um the terra leptil um yeah and, and uh the yeah. Yeah. yeah and and the master would never have encountered that because the terra leptil was from the visitation, visitation. Yeah. right um, yep. But and the, the master would have known of Adric, and it makes sense that he gives them a fake Adric with the the mathematics badge still on. Uh, right, master clearly not a fan of continuity. But it was it was the Zerafin <laughs> that were doing the the projections. Oh the yeah, okay, okay. By the way, yeah. Zeraf, I keep wanting to say Seraphim with an M, mm-hmm. and I also <laughs> yep. keep wanting to say Plasmatron like it's a name of a television. <laughs> Um, <laughs> being, like, uh, has there uh, ever been naming where you just like want get it so wrong? Um, like so close to something else. It's interesting. Plasmatron. That sounds like one of the Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> it's given Megatron and Galvatron a run for the Decepticon <laughs> leadership. We should talk about the Xerophon. The Xerophon. Okay, so definitely a much better idea than they are Mm. in execution but i think the idea is kind of cool like this Mm -hmm. race that sort of um gets destroyed in some war but they're highly advanced telepathically so they end up turning themselves into a gestalt creature to survive um that's kind of a neat backstory Uh, i like it and it's that sort of sets a pretty good stage for 
of the story. It again, I, I, the, it runs out of so much steam and budget in episodes three and four. You only get the hints of that when the two uh, Zerafin projections are arguing, and then it just kind of goes away. Unfortunately, um, I think with a more fleshed out story uh, there and having more for that aspect to uh, be present in episode four and the central sort of moral argument, I guess, between the two halves. Mm. Um, this could have made it, that could have actually salvaged the whole thing, uh, but they never do anything with it. Yeah. Yeah. And in, unless I missed something at the end. Um, so the master, the, the Xerophon get transferred into the master's TARDIS as basically their propulsion system. Oh. But it, it's never really said what happens to them at the end. Are they still in there? Are right. they are they like to this day? Or are they still in there? And it's it's not really discussed what happens to them. Thank you for explaining that, Chris. I totally missed that. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have so many questions about the Xerophon. So many questions. First of all, like why if they if they could speak to the Doctor in that double FaceTime thing, like why try to communicate through Nessa first? Uh, I didn't mm. really fully get that part. Secondly. There was talking some... when they were out in the out in the field kind of thing. No, no, when they when or, just oh, before, before, before Hater dies. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, I think they had to consume Hater to do that, right? Because they can't do it until he's gone. So there was like he was some kind of catalyst for them to be able to do that. Yeah, some sort of bridge, perhaps. Right, but Nissa wasn't. It, uh, I don't. Uh, uh, she wasn't. Uh, they they needed more, and that's what Hater provided. I don't know. <laughs> they needed more hate. <laughs> More hate to power <laughs> to power the Zerafin engine. I I also so there were apparently supposed to be more Zerafin. Uh, mm. You know, Grimwade had the idea that there would more come on screen, and I do love that idea of like it's kind of a cool special effect where one of them splits into two. You know, as as sort of like the overlay CSO whatever the hell it is uh, special effect goes, like one into two is kind of cool. Two into four would be even better. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and just like the idea of them still dividing, but also, are they are their names arranged alphabetically by how good they are? Because the <laughs> evil no. the evil Zerophon, his name starts with a Z, and the good one starts with an A. So, like An Antonin, or right. something, I don't even remember the Zarak. I remember the Zarak. I always remember the hard Ks. The, the, uh, the production notes mention that they're they're meant to be representative of the ego and the id. Oh. So uh, you've, got, you've got you've got the good, and then you've got the instinct, and and just there to counterbalance. So oh, uh, so it's probably it's, just coincidence yeah. that they're named how they're named. Huh? It's like the light and dark side of the force. Yeah. yeah. In there. Yeah, or the Ashland side and the Bogan side, as as George Lucas originally called them. Uh, mm -hmm. Deep cut Star Wars reference. Um, but but also like. That maybe that's a reference to uh, Forbidden Planet as well. I don't know if you've seen that. The the id monster in that is sort of this spectral creature. Uh, so maybe maybe that's what Grimway was thinking of. The... Well, and apparently later we learn that the Xerophon and Xerophast, their planet, hmm. uh, are sort of perpetually invaded, I guess, because oh, yeah. there was some other... They, they were in the crossfire of some war. Right. And then... Apparently, the master gets chameleon from Zarephas, which was and he oh. says it was like a product of a previous invader oh, that's right. of that I planet. About chameleon. Yeah. Well, it's funny that we get so much 
Zarephas and Zarephin like backstory, yet they, their actual presence in the story is almost oh, non-existent. I do not want to watch King's Demons to be reminded of how that happens, but you're right. Yeah. Oh, well, we did. Uh, <laughs> We've been there. <laughs> I was just going to say, good. not only have we seen all the Chameleon episodes on Portal Open, um, well, there's even a Zarephas reference in Planet of Fire. Oh, it, it, when they the, finally Peter, Peter Grimwade wrote the both, so that makes sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, yeah. That, that's, that makes sense because they flip over the the master's control box, which has the shrunken master in there, and he talks about how I've been connected to Chameleon ever since I first retrieved him on Zarephas. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. it's just unreal how like this this race that's barely in the episode and it's, you know not exactly one of doctor who's marquee right uh, it's uh planets is like just everywhere they did this so much in the 80s like call back to things that like three people will remember <laughs> maybe that's Although maybe that's who the fans. ian levine influence uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he was he was big on that when he was consulting for the show interesting yeah so guys I got to pull at one of these plot device, plot holes that I think, I, I don't get it. Maybe I just missed it or it went over my head. Okay, so Nyssa is the first one to detect that the Heathrow is an illusion mm. at the end of episode one by seeing corpses, decaying corpses. Mm-hmm. And then that g- gets the doctor to get them to pull them out of the illusion. And then we never hear about the corpses again. I mean, we hear, I think there's one line where she asks like, well, what, what, what were those things I saw? Cause he mentions a brontosaurus hmm. and he's like, I doubt it. But then it's like, but what was the deal with the corpses? Mm-hmm. Like, what were they? Where were they? Where are they? Like, how could we never see them again? What's, what's going on here? Well, great question. And where, like, where, who, who are they? Where did they come from sort of thing as well? Cause obviously human, humans didn't exist. Yeah. Neanderthals, proto humans, whatever didn't exist at that point in time. Mm. Yeah. So and you, it, have, you have to assume that they came from the first Concord. Maybe right. they, wouldn't, they wouldn't have come from the second. Yeah, um, the state of decomposition was pretty advanced. Mm-hmm. But later on, episode three, and I, <laughs> yeah. because you shared your notes, Pete, um, I, I <laughs> dug into this a little bit. Um, so episode three, when when Hader gets absorbed by the Zeraphin, you see his corpse. Yes, and he oh, looks he looks right. about the same. Too. So yeah. I, the, I the 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 default logical assumption is these are going to be people from the first Concord, you know, passengers, crew, whoever that I, were absorbed somehow by, I don't know if it's plasmatons because it's not going to be the Xerophon because they're not in play yet, mm. but maybe plasmatons and maybe. there's corpses are just sitting there. Huh? I, maybe they resisted. I maybe did. they were resisting Khalid. I did. Um, I did like that hater uh, decomposition scene. Uh, mm-hmm. he's like, he's hater, and then he's, he goes all yellow, and then there's a skeleton with a bit of foam on it. Uh, but what I like about it is Janet Fielding really sells it by, like, looking like she's about to throw up. Like, she puts her hand over her mouth and turns away, and I'm like, that's such a, that's a really effective kind of Doctor Who companion thing to do when there's, like, not enough money to show the full special effect. Just, you know, show the reaction of her, like, oh my god, I can't watch this. Uh, it's pretty good. Whereas Nissa is just sort of staring impassively, like she can totally handle it. Yeah. Also, I mean, Trakens are humanoid. Mm. Has she never seen a Trakens? 
course, like to <laughs> kind of understand what they are. Well, it's such a clean society. It's the perfect mm. society on Trakid. That's the thing about Nissa, where um, she seems like this is in my head canon why she isn't hell bent for revenge on the master for destroying not just killing her father and stealing his body, but also destroying her entire civilization. And that she really is like a lawful good cleric, you know, like she's basically <laughs> like she's, and, and this is honestly very much a part of Sarah Sutton's whole performance I think, mm, mm-hmm. uh, throughout. Like she, she, she plays Nissa almost always very even keel. It's not like she's not, she's never emotional, but she's, she's the rational one, especially in that, um, first scene where they're talking about Adric, I thought that was very well played and really showed how each of them is really getting their characters. Mm. And because you have Tegan and she's just really grieving openly, she's she's shouting, uh, she's she's just begging the doctor to to go back. Whereas uh, Nissa's just like, surely the Tardis is quite capable, you know, like trying to reason him into it. Um, yeah, I, I love, thought that that really really worked. I love Tegan's line. Oh, we argued all the time. I'm gonna miss him. Yeah, <laughs> that was a super great line, and that was Janet Fielding. Uh, like the, yeah. the the original line in the script, I think, was something more complex, like much more wordy, and she reworded it to that that beautiful, simple line. So, uh, good on you, Janet. Can't wait to see you again on the show. I also like how later, because we've done this episode uh, before, Modern Undead, mm. where she shows Turlo into Adric's old room, and you know turlo's kind of a dick about it i think it basically goes like okay i'm gonna clear all this stuff out and she doesn't like defend it at all she's just but she's clearly sad for you know she's just kind of like it's her room do what you like like but she's clearly affecting her in some way Um, another peter grimway joint indeed he's all over the place that guy yeah we've seen a lot of his stuff given that we've seen planet of fire and did did he also do king's demons i can't remember uh terrence dudley directed and or wrote that and uh somebody else directed yeah i didn't know uh, until this by the way that that grimway directed Earthshock. um and wow Mm. what a like uh, full circle yeah as well Um, yeah that's right the reason that he couldn't write um uh what became legopolis like he couldn't write this what became time flight for for that season was because he mm. was directing uh full circle like that's the only reason that he couldn't deliver this script uh, in time for it to be the fourth doctor finale so yeah i guess yeah, well, I, have... I like a lot of his stuff i gotta say this mm. is this isn't <laughs> probably not the one i is my favorite or anything but um that sounds like this could have been much better hmm. had they stuck closer to what sort of he originally did or had some again more money to realize the ambition of what he was trying to do with various things i'd love to see the fourth doctor like uh um uh, fall from the concord instead of from a radio tower that would have been interesting <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know uh much probably a, a far f- further fall um doctor who magazine actually also did this recently where they did sort of comparing the distances that the doctor has fallen in mm-hmm. various episodes it seems the longest is jodie whittaker you know the stuff yeah. the, the woman who <laughs> fell to earth like you know you, you can't beat was that, that was that more than the end of time uh oh yeah it definitely was because he yeah. kind of jumps off not too far from the roof there i think but the uh, what about that spaceship oh yeah, but he, but it does. You could, he could actually see the the building, I think, okay. when, when he jumps off. But then, 
there's I think women who fell to Earth, but there's also isn't what's the Matt Smith one where he jumps down in the spacesuit and it's on backwards. The uh, the doctor, the widow, in the wardrobe. Hmm. That's a fun one. I don't forget if that what was. I don't think they that, compare that. They did yeah. throw in heaven heaven sent with him jumping from the top of the tower uh, yeah. in the confession dial. So that was interesting. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so there's... it should have that should have been the finale, like something to do with Concord, right? It should have been the finale of the mm. fourth doctor. But also that reminds me that they, the second location that they chose in Heathrow was like the roof of a car park. <laughs> see so i didn't British. mind that i mean i liked i like it when shows are real like if the rest of the production looked good i would have liked it more because mm. i don't wouldn't want them to dress up everyday things right like i like that the gate when they materialize is just an airplane gate and mm. throw the roof of a car park and uh if if again i think it would work better if they were that was that was sort of in contrast to sort of the fantastical other things hmm. going on. But like, let the airport be the airport. You don't you don't have to dress it up. It's mm-hmm. like it's kind of cool to have but, the doctor walking around contemporary places that just are unremarkable, just because they keep doing remarkable stuff. Um, so there are two moments uh, I want to highlight that I think work really well. Uh, one is there's a bit where a Stapley who has just been uh, freed. Mm-hmm. Captain uh, from the, the Captain Stapley, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and he's uh, basically trying to get uh, Bilton, who's like the, the, the three guys, the, the three blokes who are the flight crew in the second um, of the second Concord. By the way, I thought I thought the guest cast generally was great, and I, you know, all mm-hmm. three of these guys are, are likable; they're very believable as these pilots. But there's uh, Bilton is like part of the crew who's like chipping away at the the Xerophon chamber. Mm-hmm. And he goes like, he's trying to get him out of it. And he's like, do you remember like everybody we, we, we we already got uh, freed from this hypnosis. Do you remember the doctor and Tegan? And he's like, Oh yeah. Tegan. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you remember her, right. You know, it's yeah. kind of like, this, uh-huh. which I thought was a good, it's, it's a good moment. Yeah. It's like, you remember the hot one, <laughs> like, oh, dude, like it's like, you know, with the human sexuality still exists here in the Doctor Who universe, right? You know, it's rarely acknowledged in the classic series. In classic Who, uh, maybe it's just he just is a thing for for you know uh, uh, people in flight attendant uh, uniform. Like that's why he yeah, might remember. Stereotype, but why not? <laughs> Being around them all the time, that would be understandable. Yeah, and of course, Nissa, I think, is still meant to be, um, let's say, underage uh, to some degree. Mm, so, right. Uh, she might not be the appropriate one. Yeah, she's very buttoned up at this stage. We we have been to uh, Terminus, where <laughs> where she is no longer uh, very buttoned up. Um, mm. But yeah, made a woman out of her. <laughs> they certainly okay. did. They certainly did. Yeah, I, I like that team of Stapley and Scobie and Bilton. The kind of a good kind of. It, it feels almost sixties that way that they sort of hang together and like become good foils for the Doctor and like you know useful, you know righto chaps you know let's go do this thing and i've got an idea let's you know follow me i'm gonna take my jacket and you know all of that stuff had a very kind of you know cheery chappy 60s vibe to me yeah and they kind of they kind of have stuff to do to your point mm. about the tardis and uh the, the swapping of the components mm-hmm. like they're not just kind of 100 uh, percent just along for the ride mm. uh, so to speak 
Um, I also like at the end yes. where they're giving that whole rundown to the airport controller and he's just W2ETF. Like what, what are you telling me? And they're, they're already fully in Dr. Who universe now. Like they're, they're basically like, Oh, you know, all you have to do is dig up Victor Foxtrot. It's beyond the, the fuel depot, I think. And, you know, went through a time contour. <laughs> they're just, yeah. They're just like, I, you know, I'm kind you of, you guys too. I'm kind of on the official side there. And you think of the cost of a Concorde and you're just like, uh, yeah. uh, sorry, we, we lost a whole Concorde in uh, prehistoric Earth. You know, smirk, smirk. Um, <laughs> we hell? were supposed to bring that back? <laughs> oh. oh, it's already back. It just came around the long way. <laughs> there you go. Uh, earlier earlier on, Pete, you'd mentioned uh, tropes of the Fifth Doctor era, including uh, Technobabble. Uh, another one is uh, anybody and everybody going into the TARDIS. Uh, mm, yeah. And so we get that here as well with Staffley et al. Uh, so there. Totally. It's uh, nice to see that continuing. Yeah. We had that, we had that last, well, we had that in uh, Earthshock, obviously. We had that in Black Orchid, two, two stories prior as well, so. Yeah, I always like that line in Earthshock. Um, I forget the commander's name, but he goes, so, uh, bigger than you think. <laughs> it's like, it is indeed. So the other moment I wanted to highlight uh, was also in episode four, involves the crew, because basically the doctor is admonishing Nyssa that he's just learned that the TARDIS components were swapped. And he's really coming down on her hard, like, yeah. you know what it would be like if I tried to take off with those two things swapped. Then Stapley comes in. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, so I got to take the blame for this doctor. It was totally me. And he's like, well, it was a genius move. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, had that, I had that note as well. Uh, it was like, okay. And I, like, I kind of wanted them to cut back to this. I go, I'd like, you know, just gate mouth. What the? I, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Kick him in the shin or something. That yeah. was, I, had, I had that under the uh, misogyny umbrella as well. Yes. Oh. <laughs> oh, a man taking credit for my idea. What a surprise. Yes. At least here, I think it's like kind of ironic, right? Like it's not like it's, we're, we're meant to be like rolling our eyes at that. And, but yeah, take your point. It's uh, probably hasn't aged that well. No. And not only <laughs> that, I mean, I could, I could understand it if he was doing that to Tegan. <laughs> especially with her moving the TARDIS in like Fort of Doomsday, for example. But I couldn't, I, not, not Nissa. Nissa, Nissa yeah. knows what she's doing. And, and she's the best of all of us. Yeah. Mm. And, and that, that, I don't know, it just doesn't sit well. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting that, that this is, so is this the all, the first like all female double TARDIS companion episode? Um, oh Yeah. Because it's Fair interesting point. that we're seeing this, like, a, again, right before Power of the Doctor, which has got, you know, Kate Lethra-Stewart, it's got Tegan and, and uh, Ace, it's, and and Yaz, and the Doctor. It's like this all-female... Uh, oh, yeah, and... Uh, gosh, I keep forgetting Dan. As, <laughs> as a Liverpool... Uh, as a Liverpudlian, I should I should be ashamed of myself for forgetting Dan. But, like, it's, it's definitely a very uh, female companion-heavy uh, episode that we're about to see. But I think uh, to your point, I, I didn't occur to me until now. Yeah, I yeah. think that up until ne this episode, the doctors never had two female companions mm. uh, and no male, like makes 100% yeah. female, rather. He's yeah. had two, obviously, with at the very beginning with Barbara and Susan, but there was, you know, Ian and the doctor. So, but with just female companions and two of them, um, yeah, 
Yeah. 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 He's, he's had a solo female companion. Yeah. yeah. Liz, Liz of course. and Joe and Sarah, but. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but but uh, yeah, which it makes it even more criminal that they're kind of you know really underused and, and like passed out for half of the story. Mm. <laughs> yeah, at least they do their own thing because he was telling them to go back to the TARDIS as soon as like mm. uh, Nissa was out of the plasmaton barrier, but then she was like, "Nah, we got to go. We got to go to the <laughs> Citadel and do stuff." Admittedly, she was um, compelled by the the telepathic presence there, but at the same time, it's like, "Oh, that's cool. I like that." They're doing their own thing mm-hmm. instead of just sort of blindly. Oh, we're going to go back to safety, just not through her own volition. Mm-hmm. But yes, yeah. <laughs> so one more thing I just wanted to make sure we cover uh, before we get to the questions um, is that is this kind of an everybody lives episode? Like apart from Hater, mm-hmm. who clearly dies, and apart, I guess, from the we have to infer to your point, Chris, that those corpses were some of the passengers who were, I guess, destroyed by plasmatons, but that's never really confirmed. But other than that, so that we'll just, we'll just write that off. Cause they're nameless, <laughs> faceless people. We never met. There's, like nobody, everybody kind of lives, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, even hater, like it's ambiguous. I, I think, yeah. uh, you know, well, hater, hater you can't, you can't a, kill the hater. He was, he was just a Zerfin projection. So I, I, he's dead. He's dead. Yeah. Right. Um, you you say Zerafin production? I say there's some other reason he's still alive. He's out there. He's found a TARDIS of his own. Maybe he's like the puddle in the pilot. <laughs> exactly. You know? it's like the super being now that the Zerafin have enhanced him. But nobody dies, and it's silly that nobody dies again because the master doesn't kill anybody. Like one, it would have been cool to see him kill people with the tissue compression eliminator. But it's like, why does he leave everyone alive? And in control of his like control room when he goes in the TARDIS for the first time, like you just kind of like, okay, I'll forget about everyone. And then well, they were under hypnosis, so I think I think it's safe for for them to be roaming his TARDIS. But oh no, I meant like when he's unmasked as Khalid, mm-hmm. he pulls out the tissue compression eliminator and he's threatening everybody, and then he gets the Doctor's TARDIS key. Like, why not just kill everybody? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. just go in the TARDIS. Like, uh, and then. There's Stapley and Bilton who are in the TARDIS and he catches them and he's like, he's delighting, I guess, and putting them in effectively a death trap of like having this TARDIS just floating above the the Citadel forever. Hmm. And fair enough, not that smart as it turned out. Um, and then at the end, it's like he gives it to this bargain with the doctor when he could just kind of go like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to give you any components. I'm just going to start murdering passengers until you give me what I want. <laughs> Mm. How do you would, like that? That would be a, a, a very dark thing, but that would be in line with his personality. Uh, yeah. I'm assuming you're you're discounting the the Zeraphin who were uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's like no one dies that we care about other than Hater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it is weird because the the Doctor does have that line of like, uh, you know, I, something like I I do it, Captain. You know, the Master will kill you without a second thought. Like he will do right. it. Uh, will he? He doesn't do it, (laughs) dude. He really doesn't look like he's gonna actually do it. Uh, he looks like he's just having too much fun being a pantomime villain. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, he isn't. Oh, yes, he is. (laughs) Thank you. It takes me right back. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah, this is this is definitely one that it's, yeah. 
I don't know if I well, love to hate it, but it's, let's say, save it for the yeah. rating, which yeah. is coming up right now. We're going to flip <laughs> to what everyone's been waiting for. The Woo-hoo. four questions to doomsday. <laughs> Pause for audio sting. Uh, yeah. It's huge. Okay. Question one. Why did the randomizer take us here? Well, we kind of already said this, but is there another reason perhaps? Other than that, it just listened to me. It listened I, to you. Time flight after Rosa. It also, Pete, it listened to me. Ooh. Uh, because what I said last time was, um, like, uh, uh, take us, don't take us, you said take us to a Victoria episode. I said take us mm. to a Victorian episode that mentions something Victorian. And what do we get? A mention of the Great Exhibition of 1851. Oh, Possibly the most Victorian thing ever. Uh, Victoria, two Victorian cricketers are mentioned. Uh, the talent of Chang style racism appears. Um, <laughs> Khalid. Uh, yeah, uh, but also like I, there are definitely fury from the deep connections. Like uh, uh, there's the foam. Uh, oh yeah, the, the plasma wow. tunnel sort of foaming up, foaming it up at some point. Maybe that's what the weed was. <laughs> it was like remnant yeah. plasmaton stuff that was dug up by the North Sea drilling. Hey, and it affected the weed. Look at you, randomizer. Mm, hey, look. cannon, not maximum. But like, it's like the the randomizer is becoming sentient because it's creating its own head cannon now. Uh, I think I think you're absolutely right. Uh, and uh, weird TARDIS stuff, uh, Chris, this is kind of a tradition in, in Pull to Open that I long ago told the randomizer that I like uh, episodes where weird things happen to the TARDIS. Uh, we had that with Fury in the Deep when it's it's uh, it's floating on the, the North Sea. Um, and this is definitely a weird TARDIS episode, for sure, in so many ways. <laughs> We've already covered. Um, but also... Like, you know, the Tegan and the Master connection with Power of the Doctor coming yeah. up. That's super interesting. Um, and I think the contrast with Fury from the Deep is like we we were saying during that episode that um, like it didn't age well because no one's interested in North Sea gas now. But like in the 60s, it was a really exciting thing. Um, Concord, though, still mm. seems futuristic and exciting. So you know, maybe it's kind of uh, refuting the point that I made there that yes, maybe Doctor Who should go after contemporary things sometimes because, uh, <laughs> you know, certainly in the case of Concord, you're preserving something that's super futuristic more so than the future. So you're saying it's time to remake Time Flight, but with like Hyperloop? <laughs> I, I, would, cool. I would take more Concords uh, over <laughs> another Time Flight, but sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's do that too. Yeah, that the last Concord flight was something like ten years ago. Yeah, something say. like that. Uh, Twelve years ago, I don't know. Yeah, you guys keep talking. I'll look it up. But they they've talked about um, resurrecting it. Mm. So, like some a few years ago, I don't think it ever got off the ground. But it was like you know, what someone who was flush with Silicon Valley money, I think, wanted to do it. And then Doctor but, yeah. Who can do you know Return of the Concord. Um, mm. Yes. Uh, last flight retired two thousand and three. Oh, two thousand. Oh, wow. Yeah. Really much further back than I remember. Yeah, yeah, I actually know someone from Edmonton who who took one of the last flights, oh, um, wow. which were only about three thousand or so at the time, which I think was pretty typical. Maybe uh, you know, maybe some of the last flights had more demand, but 
um, yeah, just always wanted to do it and realized they had very little time left and uh, <laughs> flew to New York just so they could fly to London and back. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's uh, so it's uh, that does remind me of like a, a super deep cut on time flight in the novelization. It's mentioned that there's a pop star on board. Uh, and by the mm. way, we have to give a shout out to the extras in Time Flight, like the extra, the Concord <laughs> passengers who are just like, like this is a great scene where the master's talking about killing them. They turn to each other like, rhubarb, 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 rhubarb. <laughs> 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 I think I like being killed. Um, yeah, but yes, uh, but it is said in in uh, the novelization that there's a pop star uh, who is taking this Concord and has been stranded in prehistoric Earth. And uh, it has been pointed out that, you know, roughly contemporaneous to 1982, which pop star was flying back and forth between London and the UK and uh, New York, you know, hoping for a big US career, Adam Ant. Um, oh. You remember him. Uh, so, like, I love that headcanon. <laughs> to our shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys up here just wouldn't accept him the way that we had. Um, but... Um, but yes, I, I love that idea that Adam Adam Ant is actually on board and, and in the background of Time Flight somewhere. Oh, nice! So ultimately, the randomizer took us here to uh, do an Adam Ant revival yes. uh, and possibly reboot Concord. So thank you very much, randomizer. Indeed, indeed. All right, question two: What if the evil plot had succeeded? So I'm sure Chris T is best equipped to answer this because. Oh. <laughs> Since I, you've got such a grip on the plot <laughs> yeah my understanding and feel feel free to jump in at any point but my understanding <laughs> is if the evil plot succeeded that the master is free and he has a working tardis and since the evil plot didn't succeed the master is free and has a working tardis so uh now please <laughs> please jump in and tell me how wrong i am i think the idea is that the tardis is like supercharged it's like mm. not just a TARDIS anymore with the Xerophon power. He also has this crazy super telepathic ability. Um, essentially, it turns his TARDIS into a weapon and can is very well equipped to sort of build his own empire, whether it's the evil Xerophon um, or just the slaves that he's got as part of the passengers. Um, so he's got a pretty good sort of um foundation for building an empire that could take on you know even the time lords eventually so maybe that if that happens then the fifth doctor uh strand well i guess he'd just be stranded in the jurassic period right like mm. what would he even do yeah i don't know chris b any thoughts on what would happen Doctor stranded in the Jurassic period. Let's see. He could befriend some dinosaurs <laughs> that we that we don't even see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that he could uh, he could befriend that one bird that flew in front of the Concorde in that shot. Well, yeah, it's always unclear um, when when the Silurians are exactly from. Maybe they're around. Mm, like, that's yeah. possible. Yeah, he could he could start negotiations with them a little early. Uh, I mean, the Xerophon described the planet as. Uh, um, barren or uninhabited yeah. or something mm. like that so maybe not deserted whatever the word they use is so that's a little uh, erroneous but um yeah i'm gonna go with that so he finds a silurian uh encampment and uh makes friends with them and uh yeah oh i don't know what he does with them but we we may have to look in the a history for this but like how many other crashed spaceships are on earth at this point uh right. <laughs> he got, he got somewhere yeah 
there's the Crash Zerafin ship, for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like he, he could, should just have a running list of, like, in case I'm stranded here, here are the <laughs> Crash spaceships I've already encountered. <laughs> it's um, all started the Sonic. Uh-oh, he doesn't have it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, poor Sonic. Pull one out of the it's Sonic. Too, it's too early to go find Adric's corpse. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's too early for the Fendal too. Mm. Yeah. Uh, mm. uh, yeah. There's not a lot to choose from there in Jurassic uh, Doctor Who universe world. Yeah, so, it would just be like uh, cut three years later. Peter Davison with a giant beard, like you know, his <laughs> clothes are all torn. He's like wearing a grass skirt or something. He's just that's and that's just where like episode six of hitchhikers comes into play yes that was the reference i was making Mm. nice one (laughs) (laughs) i love it all right that's uh i like the thought of a peter davison in a very blonde beard in the jurassic period wandering around (laughs) uh figuring out trying to figure out how to get his tardis working again uh maybe he would have some help perhaps from a clara splinter but uh even if it, uh, we don't have the evil plot succeeding, we need to figure out where is she? This is a thing we do because obviously Clara Oswald was splintered throughout the Doctor's timeline and the name of the Doctor. And we like to imagine her in all the classic series episodes, perhaps filling in some plot oversights as she goes along. So oh the best God. guess I had here was essentially she's a <laughs> she's someone in the cosmos selling top quality Halloween costumes. <laughs> So wherever the master was before this, he just fell in love with that Khalid outfit because it's so, you know, racist and bad and he's bad. And it had the built-in snot dispenser. So he just couldn't resist. He was like, this is it. This is my next disguise. I would totally buy that for Halloween, personally. Uh, yeah, you just sort of, at the, at, deep the, cut. at the end, it's super deep cut. And then you could just sort of die at some point during the evening. And then you you get out of your costume and everyone would be like, I don't understand. And you'd be like, you never do. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get your deep cut references. You never do. Uh, yeah, I'm. I got nothing for this one, honestly. I uh, there are so many things for for Clara to fill in here. I'm sort of trying to figure out a way where she can, um, kind of like we can use her to do something about this massive coincidence. The fact that the the you know the uh, master is sucking in concords down this time mm-hmm. corridor, and the doctor just happens to be on board one. Is that is that coincidence? We don't even well, he really got know. bumped by that. He got bob, bumped by the temporal effect, right? Yeah, he just ran into it. He ran into the corridor. Yeah, it just kind of keeps randomly running into the master like this. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know how Clara can make that happen. <laughs> well, she could um, be one of the other passengers, but I don't know what she would do, right? Like, I what, would, what I is would she go doing? With, I would go with one of the passengers on the first Concord. And mm. she's going to sabotage the efforts of getting into the inner sanctum mm. so that the Xerophon can't be disturbed. But she fails. Mm. Maybe she's the newspaper seller at Heathrow, uh, who is ah, like, distracting the doctor from his Adric grief by shouting about the latest, latest cricket scores. Um, mm. and, and maybe she's not even selling him that day's newspaper. She's mm. she saved a special one with really bad cricket news. <laughs> <laughs> 
apparently this is like super deep cut but there are any cricket fans out there but like uh and they didn't even know this when they filmed it but england was doing particularly bad uh at the time this was aired so uh Ah. yeah i canada never got into cricket did it it's like every every other part of the commonwealth is super into cricket but but not you guys I remember being forced to play it at least once in elementary school. <laughs> like they did have like very basic crickety stuff, like these rubber bats. And uh, I, I think we all, all we did was just do like softball with them though. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Definitely a weird choice for a sport for, you know, Dr. Who's international fans, but there you go. Yeah. I think in Canada, we already had our sticks and balls game or pucks game. And we're just like, we don't, we don't have room for another one, you know? We also did curling, so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 A little, little hard to uh, to have uh, cricket pitches that are, you know, uh, not, not, not as sco- snow covered occasionally as Heathrow was in this episode. Uh, snow would definitely stop play a lot. But, yeah. All right. Last question on the four questions of Doomsday. It is our rating system. Is this a Dalek, which means it is good? Is it an Ogron, which means it is perhaps not so good? <laughs> or is it a Viscount Banger, our rating that we reserve for the best episodes ever? Well, I I would actually like to propose that we add an extra item to the rating system here. Because as, as Pulto mm-hmm. Open listeners may remember, we introduced Viscount Banger in uh, State of Decay. Is, is the name of Lala Ward's father. That is her aristocratic connection. He's Viscount Banger. We loved it so much um, that it now, like, it's one of the best ever. So I propose that we introduce a new rating and we call it the Professor Hater. <laughs> because I think it's, it's not quite like this is so bad, it's good. It's, it's not that kind of that thing. I think, to my mind... This is so, sort of bad in a way that is very instructive. It like it shows ah. you lots of things that Doctor Who shouldn't be. It's still sort of fun, entertaining along the way. Uh, maybe teaches you a few things. I don't know. You certainly learn about Concord, you know, and it's kind of, you know, impressive in that way. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to rate this a professor hater. Okay, so. Let me, let me, it's so bad, it's instructive? Yeah, it's so bad, <laughs> but you still kind of want to watch it. And it's not because it's so bad, it's good, but it's so bad, but it's like a right. classic Doctor Who kind of misstep in a lot of it's ways. It's bad, but you learned a lot. Yeah. That's fair. I got you. I, I was just going to say, this looks like a Dalek from a distance, okay? <laughs> I think it does, because it's, it's, like I've said, it starts off really, really well. There are great, memorable moments. But you get close to that Dalek, you pop it open. Oh, it's just an Ogron messing around. You know, it's like, okay. So I do think it is underrated, though. I think it is sort of um, rightly or wrongly remembered for its weaknesses. But I would say if they, they, it's very clear. And I think this is why from your rating, I think I, I have, I've learned what they did wrong. So I think it's a good rating, the Professor Hater. In that I think if they had a larger budget, obviously, but also paid more attention to that master colleague thing and why that was even going on mm. and just fleshing out the Xerophon more, you, this could have been a good episode. Like it, 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 if they followed through on all of that, it, it's just great ideas. They already had good performances, but the script just, just didn't live up to the ambition of the story. Yeah. Chris B., what say you? 
Uh, I've been a Doctor Who fan long enough that I can I can happily ignore received fan wisdom. I can look I can look beyond the surface of things. I can I can I can be a proponent of some of the lesser liked stories. Um, Fear her, for example. Hmm. Uh, I'm a massive fan of Underworld. Hmm. Massive what? fan of Underworld. Hmm. Um, this one, I think I enjoyed watching this more this time around than I ever have in the past. I think it's definitely underrated. Uh, in the Mighty 200 poll from Doctor Who magazine in 2009 or whatever it was, this came in 196 out of 200. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that it didn't deserve that, but the production, the production, like the, the faults with the story are mostly skin deep, much like Underworld, like all the CSO and, and the, just the fact that, you know, inflation was rampant and they just didn't have the money to do anything. Mm. If they had more money, if they had invested a little more in backstory and script development and things like that, whether there was a time thing, I don't know. Yeah, this could have definitely been better. Um, so it's it's still an ogron, no question. But <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's a yeah, it's no yeah, it's an ogron. Maybe, maybe <laughs> it's maybe it's a, a Dalek when it's on film, but an ogron when it's in the studio. No, it's an ogron. <laughs> <laughs> no runs straight across the board, but uh, but it's 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 it has it has gone up in my estimation for sure. Yeah. I mean, elderly ogron. When I when I bought the season nineteen Blu-ray, I I, I purposely skipped Time Flight because I just did not want to watch it. Mm. Um, now that I've watched it again for the first time in I don't know how many years, yeah, it's it's gone up. I mean, I think we're we're all sort of in agreement here uh, that that episode one is is kind of is really good, right? Mm. At least to a point, yeah. To for a point. the first first two thirds or so. Yeah, I was. I mean, I I usually often it's a struggle on pull to open to make myself watch two episodes in a row. This one, I just I was like, I'm in, I'm in. And then mm -hmm. you get to the end of episode two, it's the master. Like, uh, okay, that was a crappy reveal, but I'm still in. Like, so it, it, <laughs> hey, it was a good reveal. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like <laughs> Victory of the Daleks. Victory of the Daleks, the first 15 minutes or so is quite good. Mm. And then yeah. everything, everything, everything goes to pot after that. But uh, yeah, that first act is awesome. It's all. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. definitely with you, Chris, on the, on the polling position. I don't think this deserves... Uh, as low a position as it as it has done and also this, by the way this is you know i always look at the, the tardis wikia um for, for any story that we're, com we're mm -hmm. coming to this is the only one where they get like super political about it in in the opening paragraph they're like you know the the stuff before they even get to the plot summary they're like time flight yeah. has been underrated like you know and yeah. it is probably why it was underrated and well, there was a as, BBC as review, have, yeah. As you'll have read in that, um, in the season 19 poll in Doctor Who Monthly, back mm. when it was still Doctor Who Monthly, mm. uh, this, this came roughly in the middle. Yeah. Mm. Ahead of ahead of Kinda and a couple others. So, I yeah. mean, back when it went out, it was much less hated. And, and I defend it, that reveal, and I have statistics to back me up <laughs> the ratings for episode three went yes. from 8.5 million in episode two to 9.1 million for episode three so mm -hmm. episode it one was episode one was 10.1 million or something yeah, yeah it did, the it highest didn't... the yeah. highest ratings anywhere in the jnt era or something yeah yep yep yeah mm. i think so and highest until new who yeah, I think that shows some word of mouth post Earthshock yeah, that this yeah. was going on. Well, like the series, big stuff was going on, 
but then I understand sort of maybe the fall off episode two, but it's like, oh, it's the master, and that's boom. Okay. Um, so yeah, yeah, good reveal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, there was a lot less TV out there in 1981, sure. 1982, right. but yeah, uh, it was this or still... crossroads. <laughs> Didn't have BBC 11 yet. Yeah. Um, Okay, guys, that was uh, that was some good stuff. Any final thoughts on time flight, or shall we pop into our TARDIS and activate the randomizer? I just I got to say one thing from Chris's history corner, uh, Christine's oh. history corner, which is um, also to the point of the casual racism of the episode, the the Indian rope trick, which is how the Concord crew tried to describe to Tegan and Nessa what 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 an illusion is, like that explaining the Indian rope trick. Uh, if you actually look at the Indian rope trick, that was, uh, we have no evidence that it was ever actually a thing. It was uh, probably invented by a Chicago newspaper man uh, in the 19th century um, who just mm. needed some copy. And I guess he said that some Indian faker did this whole thing with the rope hanging on an invisible wire. So, yeah, just want to throw that in there if anyone has watched <laughs> Time Flight and thinks that's how an Indian rope trick works. Uh, not the case. So, mm. yeah. That's that's all I have to say. I am 100% done with time flight now. Correction for the record. Thank you. <laughs> that's good. I didn't know that. Yeah. Always learn something in your corner. Hey, the, the, the corner's always here. All right. So, Chris, I would love it if, Chris B, yeah. I'd love it if you could uh, help us out here and find out where we're going next. So the codex, oh, sorry, the randomizer. I've been ahead of myself. So our randomizer here on Pull to Open consists of two components one yeah. is the pull to open codex which is a spreadsheet of all televised doctor who episodes all the way from an unearthly child through the classic series through the tv movie all the way up to legend of the sea devils uh not yet the power of the doctor though that will come very shortly and there are 301 soon to be 302 by our count, does not match the exact count in other places you might find because we made some different calls onto what constitutes a complete story. Mm. Um, so, and there's another component to the randomizer, of course. Chris could, Chris T, could you describe what that is? Yes, it's the temporal limiter. It's a circuit board. It has a big <laughs> red thing on it. No, no, sorry. Uh, just, yeah, TARDIS components. Wow. Um, yes, the other component is random.org, which provides the uh, extra random randomness in these 301 numbers uh, by using atmospheric noise, uh, which uh, is, is so Doctor Who-ish. Uh, uh, and I believe it's it's run by a professor out of out of Dublin, who I will now forever think of as a Professor Hater kind of <laughs> character. Um, but yeah, instead of the pseudo-randomness of algorithms, uh, this is true randomness. Uh, and Chris, would you would you like to be our guest randomizer? Mm-hmm. Yes. Awesome. So you are Great. you are at random.org, sir? Uh, I'm not, but I can get there. Yeah, so if, if we just if you go to random.org, you plug in uh, one and three hundred and one as the uh, defining factors, and then uh, it may be possible we'll hit a time locked episode, um, which we've already seen. We'll bounce off it yeah. back into the time stream, but we'll also take note of, of the randomizer sending us there. Uh, because maybe it is trying to send us a message. Um, and uh, yes, uh, but cool. before we before we do this, we tend to mm -hmm. challenge the randomizer, mm. uh, which is how we got to time flight in the first place. Thank you, Pete. 
um and also how it actually listened to my victorian challenge i'm i'm kind of amazed by that <laughs> kind of always a little bit scared of the randomizer um you know we were talking about king charles it took us to a king james episode it was it feels very hard to see you know um so pete got any challenges i do um so since we've just visited the jurassic era mm. i'm looking for some kind of Silurian sea devil or dinosaur connection. Ooh. So I'll take anything mm. from Doctor Who and the Silurians. Where's the deep? I'll even take something with the, the Potternaster gang because there's a Silurian there mm. um, or, or dinosaurs on a spaceship, which uh, has dinosaurs <laughs> or, or vision of the dinosaurs. Give me, give me something dinosaur or Silurian. Like, I think that's what I want. And I'm going to say I want uh, another crashed spaceship. But mm. I, I, I would like, uh, I would like it to feel more authentic, in the way that it just sort of happened to crash land on Earth. I would like a reason to be given, uh, or not. Just, just give me any crash spaceship anywhere. Anywhere <laughs> in the universe. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So, Chris B, I'm mm -hmm. going to give you a countdown. Are you ready, sir? Indeed. All right. Let's do this thing in four, three, two, one. Spoilers. 181. 181. I think we're in New Who. We are. We are. It's the Runaway Bride. Oh, hello, Look at Donna. That. Yeah. Oh, wow. You, you get a oh, wow. Crash spaceship in that one. Is yeah, that but it's at like, the end. I'm excited because this is, we're, we're about to enter a new era of David Tennant and Catherine Tate. That's right. In the coming specials and the 60th anniversary special. And this is, this is, we may even get like, the first take, we don't know what the last few seconds of power of the doctor are in terms of regeneration and whatever, but maybe we'll get a hint of that when that uh, happens. Wow. Do, do you guys, do you guys think that he, that uh, Whitaker is going to regenerate into David Tennant? Do you, do you believe in that rumor at all? I, I've heard that. And I thought that myself kind of independently mm. of like, that's, they're deliberately not saying much about that ending about that regeneration scene for for whatever it's worth the uh the press screening did not include the end of the episode mm. so oh, nobody out there knows I heard. Ah. Yeah. i i do love by the way in, in dr who magazine jody said this one thing about uh the fact that she was pregnant during uh, shooting that scene that i loved she was like i had two heartbeats it was method mm -hmm. acting yeah. <laughs> <laughs> first method acting of regeneration uh we nice. love it yeah i think i don't know if they're gonna do the regeneration that was the original rumor that would be kind of like i feel like that original rumor has been a little bit left in the the, the dust a bit and like we haven't really talked about it since so it would be kind of almost like a coming back around if it actually happened but i do feel like they got to do it in such a way that it's not just here's some stuff that happened with Tennant's doctor back in the day. Um, I think there, there's got to be something more to it than that to make it feel more relevant to what's going on now. So uh, I'm going to, since I can't think of anything else better, like I think, yeah, I think <laughs> what else would they do? Um, I so. really hope that if they do do that, the first thing Tennant says is what, what, mm. <laughs> what, <laughs> Again, nice call back to the Runaway Bride. So perfect timing. Maybe the randomizer is telling us the ending. All right. Well, speaking of perfect timing, this is a time perfect timing to say thank you for listening to everyone who has been with us here on our time flight 
uh, and picking apart that episode. We really appreciate you guys subscribing. Hey, we're a podcast. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, please do. Uh, and at the same time, hey, why don't you go ahead and subscribe to Radio Free Scarrow if you haven't already? Come on. It's been around right. for how long now, Chris? How long is it? Uh, 16 and a half years, nearly. 16 and a half years. Like you've probably done, Man. in terms of your reviews, the whole run over and over. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Wow. And, and Scaro is still not free, but one day. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, thanks so much for coming on the pod. It was, we had an awesome time talking about Time Flight with you. Well, thanks um, for the invite. And thanks for letting me reappraise Time Flight, I guess. <laughs> oh, to a point anyway to a point up, up to a point yes <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll find all the stinkers when we get another one we'll we'll, we'll definitely call you back if you're down for it it's not time uh, lash please <laughs> time time lash is irredeemable my challenge time flight time lash it's just hey, it's obvious, hey, right? yeah yeah there's there's i mean there's the yeah, um, stories involving the word time in the title tend not to be good so mm, yeah, <laughs> time, time, time of the doctor perhaps being the exception the no it's mm. it's consistent um, okay <laughs> guys thanks so much for listening again we're available wherever you find podcasts on social we're at pull to open 63 on twitter and instagram and pull to open just that all, all one word on tiktok feel free to leave a review we love reviews they're awesome or just drop us a line on any of those networks and comment whatever you want uh we will see you next time yeah for what did we just say we got the, the runaway bride. The runaway bride. we will see you with ten, leave my head. 10 and tate on deck next time we'll pull to open see you guys take care <laughs>